Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 240. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, is Matt. Boom. Connor is not here. <laughs> what have I done to deserve such a fantastical gift? Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together every week. We talk about the DC Comics we read, and we talk about them. It's really quite that simple. If there's a bit of news, we'll discuss that too. Coming up on this week's show... We have Batman 107. We have the first issue of the new Green Lantern book, the new run, that's Green Lantern issue one. Which I know sounds obvious, but sometimes a new run starts at a random number. So does... Uh, yeah, I mean, look at uh, Tom Taylor's Nightwing. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Swamp Thing issue two, we got Man Bat issue three, and we're also looking at the next Batman Second Son issue one. Issue one meaning the physical issue, so we... Even though I think both of us read the digital version, we read the first three chapters, which are what's in the first issue physically. Which uh, is which is a bit problematic, but we'll get there. Uh, there's positives and negatives, but uh, we're trying to cover these digital books in a different way where there's enough to actually sink our teeth into. Uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, later in the show. So that is uh, what is coming up on, on the show. Um, and for those of you who submitted your top 20s and 50s of DC characters, yes, that is still coming in April, although Connor thinks the Sunday he has free is the last Sunday of the month, so it'll probably right at the very end of the month, uh, which is annoying, because I think that will mean it will actually come after episode 251, meaning that that little prick has almost completely ruined the whole point of what we're celebrating. Curses, foiled again. <laughs> He's the worst, that's all I'm saying. Uh, so the video people uh, can enjoy a picture of my cat Firefly in Connor's yeah. usual place. Uh, also, Matt is disgusted by the drink that he is currently consuming. Yep, but I have to finish it, because I opened it. You, you know what? This sunk cost fallacy is, is maddening. Like, you don't like it, pour it down the sink, get yourself a drink that you like. Just. I mean, I have water right next to it, but this sparkling tea was a bad idea. And I'm starting to realize that's why it's 99 cents. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that is, I mean hey, at this point, that's a quarter of a comic book. I got to, I got to, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, hell, it's not even a quarter in some books these days. True. Uh, yeah. Is, is that is that expensive to me or cheap for me? That makes sense. Comic or a dollar? No, a dollar for a for a. Yeah. A, 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 it depends on the type of drink, I suppose. If it's if it's priced similar to like an energy drink, then it's cheap. Right. If it's priced it's like cheap. a can of Coke, then it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah, because a can of Coke comes into like cents, you know, like most of the time. Yes. Uh, so so yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I decided to try it just because I, I like bubbles, but this was a, a mistake. I didn't know what I was expecting, but not this. That That's for sure. <laughs> I like bubbles. I, yeah, I, try I, I like I, bubbles. That's the thing I miss about soda since I stopped drinking soda. It's that carbonation. So I started drinking seltzer water, but it messes with my heartburn so bad. Um, so I was hoping this was a, uh, would be able to offer a, a bit of a change up. It, it didn't. Mm. I can't I can't get on board with the, uh, the sparkling... Uh, variety of water so that's not for me it's weird water is supposed to be flat <laughs> that's this way with that sure I, I guess but if you get a flavor in it it ends up just tasting like you know 
Like I like well, lime sure. in particular to lime flavor. Um, so I just get a lime bubbly. But yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Mm. A little bit of the bubbly, mm. which is what my wife now calls the seltzer water. <laughs> <laughs> when when I ask her to pick some up, if she goes to the store. Yeah, if the following podcast isn't enough of uh, Peter and Matt for you this week, we did actually record a commentary track for Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition, um, which, you know, it's about as insightful as you probably think it is with us both hating that movie. Um, What I will say is that I'm basically done talking about Snyder's DC movies now, and I think that's a win-win for everyone, because I think the people who feel the way we do are probably equally sick about talking about those movies, the people who like the movies and are like disagree with us are probably ecstatic that I'm never going to talk about them again, unless for some reason they have to make more. In which case, I'll start complaining again. But for now, yeah, I mean, it really all depends on how uh, the Flash movie ends up if it actually ever comes out, right? If that's it ever supposed comes to be the out. capstone. Uh, well, no, it's supposed to be the the reshaping into everything else, is it not? It's meant to be the. Well, yeah, that's what I mean by the capstone on this Snyderverse stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's the last thing. I mean, will. the Aquaman movie already kind of felt like it contradicted Justice League a little bit. Wonder Woman mm-hmm. 84 definitely contradicted everything that Wonder Woman was in, timeline-wise. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised if we see this Flash movie. If they, if they do make it, it is Ezra Miller that very quickly it still kind of feels disconnected where it kind of fits with it, but it doesn't really, like, they're not really trying to, like, you know, t- tie it yeah. together. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Matt probably thought I forgot uh, to do something. And don't worry, I have not. I remember during the show, so I'm doing it now, and I will insert it earlier in the show. We have to look at the top ten on Comixology. This is a thing we do now. <laughs> Put your earphones back in. Matt, put your earphones back in. What is this bullshit? Oh, he's, he's talking. I can't hear him, though. <laughs> I took my headphones out. There'll be no rebelling. Thank you. Uh, so, I mean, you'll be happy with number one is. So, so for those of you who, who missed this conversation before, the idea is, is that every week I'll check Comixology. It's technically the UK Comixology, but I mean, it'll be pretty similar to the US one. Uh... And we'll just see what the top 10 is. The idea is we're checking the same time every week and it'll give us some idea of how things might be doing, at least digitally. Uh, unfortunately, there's only one DC book in the top 10. Dang. Yeah. Uh, and it is Batman, which is, you could probably guess. That's number two on this top 10. Number one is Star yeah. Wars The High Republic. Okay. I don't know what that is, but okay. No, uh, I'm not reading that. That's the, the prequel. Not prequel, but... It's set, you know, centuries before the main stuff. Number three is Marauders 19. and That's a uh, X-Men book. Yeah, number four is Excalibur 20. That's also X-Men, right? X-Men book. Yeah. Uh, number five is Amazing Spider-Man 63. Mm-hmm. Man. Is, uh, what's his face? Nick Spencer. Like, because he started the number one. They, 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 they renumbered for him. So he's done 63 issues of that now. That is wild. Uh... <laughs> But do they do that weird Marvel? Sometimes it double ships, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, it's yeah. like 18 issues a year, give or take. Yeah. Uh, maybe even more for Spider-Man, because they like to put mm-hmm. them on it. Uh, number six is Immortal Hulk 45. Again, nice long Ooh. run. Uh, yeah. Mar- Marvel? Coming to an end with 50, though, right? 
I mean, that's I mean, that's good. I, I'm happy with 50 issues. I, Marvel yeah. like do get a lot of shit, and rightly so, that a lot of books get cancelled too quickly. Um, most of the Kelly Thompson books I seem to like seem to get cancelled far too quick. However, I'll give them yeah. credit. The Immortal Hulk, Captain America, and Daredevil, and Spider-Man, they're all trucking for nice long runs. Uh, seven yeah. is King in Black, issue five. Okay. I don't know what so that is. Series. Okay. Uh, uh, Avengers 44 is number eight, and okay. number nine is Venom issue 34 which ties uh, into king of black because that's doing the whole uh symbiote okay. thing tying it to north the conqueror and so. number 10 interestingly is uh and maybe not surprising because of uh the show just started coming out but invincible compendium volume one is actually number 10 makes sense uh, on this list so that's neat yeah. uh bizarrely the next dc book on this list which is number 12 is far sector 11 oh good that is shocking. I'm a little worried about Green Lantern and Swamp Thing because they're they're quite far down here. Hmm. Maybe people just rather oh, have Matt, you make, you make, you make, make, make. Yeah, Green Lantern issue one is number twenty one, and the Swamp Thing is number twenty three. Uh, now, admittedly, the the slight disadvantage DC have here is their books come out a day earlier, so it's entirely yeah. possible because Comicsology's top ten updates, I think, every day, that mm-hmm. maybe. This is just because the DC books were higher earlier in the week and they've all just went down as times went on. Except Batman, because Batman just sells uh, silly numbers. Yeah. Uh, so, womp womp. yeah. Maybe, maybe I should check it on like a Thursday and then like, you know, note it down and then just tell you what the Thursday results were. Just trying to, trying to gimmick it towards DC, yeah? No, just to make it fair. Like, give D- mm-hmm. Marvel a day as well and just sort of like, you know, before they, they sink too low, but... Uh, I mean, maybe that's the fun of it, though. Maybe, like, when we see the... Like, when DC books remain in the top 10 on a Saturday, it's like, oh, they're doing really well this week because they're still there. Uh, kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that could be a thing. I don't know. There you go. There's your, your Comicsology Top 10. The new weekly segment. Our comics from the multiverse. Wah, wah. Batman 107, James Tynan the fourth with Jorge Jimenez on the art. Continuing our Scarecrow arc. But we uh, mm-hmm. we kicked off with Mirror Nakano and all the other things going on. But uh, I was supposed to look something up, and now you just reminded me. So you you do this. So I'm gonna look this up. I I do this. Okay. I I, yes. I I do this. I review comic book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I enjoyed the last issue quite a bit, and I think this one kind of continues a lot of what it's doing. I think what, my favorite thing about this arc so far is that it's really. Try to build an atmosphere that Scarecrow's making the entire city afraid, and that everyone's on edge. And we, and we hear about how, oh, he, he didn't even have to use gas. All he did was put a, a a crappy old Scarecrow in the mayor's mansion, and all of a sudden, everyone's losing their freaking minds because everyone's yep. high strong. Everyone's worried that there's going to be another gas attack. Everyone's buying gas masks. Uh, that kind of atmosphere that they're building here, I really like. And it's got it's got the things that I, I enjoy too. It's, it's got you know Oracle interacting with Batman, being the person on the earpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're building up to however Batman gets captured because you know we're we're getting these teases at the start of each issue of him under Scarecrow's control, basically in a gimp suit uh, tied to mm-hmm. a chair. And the end of this issue might even imply how he eventually gets there because he's going to go undercover as matches to infiltrate this right. uh, uh, unsane group that are sort of rising. But a lot of this issue is Batman investigating the crime scene of the Scarecrow in the mayor's mansion. Uh, Renee Montoya sort of having a bit of a standoff with them, saying that he has to go and stop corrupting the crime scene. 
Uh, this actually played very well because I read this after I read the next Batman uh, issue, and it's actually I, I didn't realize that the next Batman book was going to be set solidly in present day. Yep. Uh, they, but, so I I read this before I read next Batman, mm. and uh, yeah, I I do like how they reinforce each other. It, yeah, it's that continuity stuff that there's there's I a love. lot of shared universe continuity going on in general. I think, and that not just in the bat corner of the the books either i was feeling it in green lantern this week as well and uh, a couple other things was, was, the editorial are doing a good job right now of making everything feel kind of cohesive which uh, i appreciate mm-hmm. uh so no it's cool uh, everything's kind of helping build the status quo and it it's one of those things where you hear certain things often enough that it, it becomes ingrained in your mind you don't have to think about it you don't have to think about the fact that montoya is the commissioner you don't have to think about the you know the, the mayor's uh uh, I've just forgotten his name. Completely def- Nakano. Nakano, thank you. Uh, yeah. You know, like you start to like build those things, and or 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 saying, or all these other things that go on. So you have all these other books kind of reinforcing these key little details, and it's, it really starts to feel like it's become the status quo. Uh, did you enjoy the Harley Quinn sequence in the middle of the issue? I, I, I did, um, because it is a Harley that I, she's not too zany, and she's actually trying to do good. So it's not like this. For the purposes, she's an anti-hero because she is working with Batman, right? But she's also standing against what the Gotham police are doing, right? So this this inmate that she recognizes from her time in Arkham is having, like, a breakdown. And he actually needed to be in Arkham because, you know, he has these, these issues, not just because he fell in with the Joker. And she's trying to explain this to the, the police but all they see is Harley Quinn in a in a in a clown. Yeah. Right? Also, they keep calling, or he calls himself Stabo. I think it was Stabo. And was Harley's kind of like, funny. "That's a terrible name." I do like how Harley refers to herself as the Girl Wonder. I, I thought that was a yes. nice uh, nice touch. But yeah, the police just immediately assume that she's working with him because she's refusing to leave. Um, and Ghostmaker shows up, and I do also love that she calls him Ghostface. Uh, because I have made that mistake Ghostface. multiple times myself. <clears throat> well, the more I see of of Ghostface slash Ghostmaker. <laughs> the less I like him. <clears throat> and I maintain this is the intent from Tynan, or else it's I, mm. I have to reevaluate some things. Because he's every trope in Batman that I hate. And we'll get to that more in the backup. Sure. But and I feel th- like that's the the point of him right now, is that Bruce has to restart as this Batman where <clears throat> we saw in the last issue, he's or in Detective, he's making a, a cave in the sewers, and he's basically starting from nothing and building himself back up, whereas Ghostmaker still has all the tech, all the technology, and all this other stuff, and there's it's almost annoying. That there's nothing he can't do. Um, hmm. So the fact that he's getting to interact with Harley and his presence in Gotham is uh, another nice piece of yeah, synergy. He, he rescues her there. She leaves a note on a Stabo's face saying he's his meds because uh, Doctor yeah. Harley said so. Uh, I don't know why I said that like Stone Cold, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a tease of this character, and I was like, who the hell is this character with the rose? And what I do appreciate here is that the backup actually answers this, and like, okay, this mm-hmm. is going to be a character in the backup that's related to Ghost, ghost uh, Maker. <laughs> I almost said Ghostface. I had to stop myself. Uh, so that's a neat touch. Um, I want to say I do really enjoy the art in this book. I think the the colors are exceptional, but like, you know, I turned the page here, and it goes to the clock tower, and that glowing orange light of the, the, the clock face... Uh, on the sort of the, the muted greens of the of the the actual room and the you know the interior, yeah. 
is really nice. And this is a weird thing to say, but because there's a lot of greens and like muted colors in the, the monitors and the, the ambient lighting, it really makes Barbara's ginger hair stand out. Yeah. <laughs> she really pops. Uh, I'm so glad that we were getting her regularly. Like, there's no Batgirl book right now, so... Yes. But she's still popping up here, so I'm very happy. Um, The funny thing about her being Oracle, again, is is that she kind of can pop up regularly in multiple books, as if and mm -hmm. we don't even have to think about it. She may actually have more of a presence overall as Oracle she ever would have in a a solo Batgirl book. Um, That said, Batgirls with Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain. I still want it, DC. Thank you, please. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so she's explaining to him the, this uh, unsane group uh, that they don't seem particularly dangerous, at least not yet. The, the, their, their goal ultimately is somewhat noble, but it's kind of, you know, cult-like and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the favorite, my favorite page of the book is uh, Batman walking away from her at the end of the scene uh, when uh, she says, oh, maybe the only way to, you know, to you know, figure out what's going on and who the leader is is to join them. And he's walking away, uh, kind of in silhouette with the lights, you know, hitting his shoulder. Really beautiful stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we cut to Saint, uh, who's still developing his stuff. Um, uh, they mentioned Sean Mahoney, who's one of the characters who was in the Future State stuff, so they're sort of teasing some of that he's, building. Yeah, he was also in the Infinite Frontier. He's the one that, you know, mm. survived the, the fear, the Joker fear toxin gas, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. Uh, and again, talking about, I, I I love when when comics can do these moments where you know the 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 panel at the bottom of this page where say is uh like it's the reflection of him in the glass, so it's all the the night lights over his face. Like I really mm-hmm. dig that stuff. But yeah, Scarecrow comes to see him and talks about you know the, oh you want to build your magistrate, we have to we have to you know make Gotham scared enough and blah 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 blah, you know. Uh, so what I like too about what Tynan's kind of saying here is like. All you need for an authoritarian takeover is a little bit of fear. Once people get afraid, they're mm-hmm. willing to throw away their rights and right into the hands. And so from Future State, we've already seen the worst case scenario. You know, so we know the stakes. Um, and yeah, just this whole version of, of Scarecrow, I really dig. And that's what I had to look up because I always forget the, the, the number. But like one of my favorite Batman stories of all time is called Absolute Terror. And it's a two-parter from Detective Comics um, where basically it's this version of Joker or Joker, Scarecrow, <laughs> where the inmates of, of Arkham kind of challenge him that he's nothing without his his fear gas or his fear toxin. So he goes on a reign of terror throughout Gotham in the same way where he's planting like seeds of, of fear with, you know, in that story, it's not necessarily you know, scarecrows in the, the mayor's office or home, but it's, he's doing like serial killer stuff, you know, abducting people and, and all this. And so anytime we can get that version of scarecrow, I'm a big fan of, and here just the way that he's standing on that rooftop when he goes to see Simon Saint, it is creepy. Like, uh, him and has really, really had it here. Yeah. I think one of the, the, the beautiful things about this scarecrow design is that, the contrast, you know, the, the, the night lights behind him, the city night lights behind him, the contrast mm-hmm. between him, where he's, you know, in this raggedy clothing, the straw hat with the gas mask, he's very steampunk, kind of, you know, lo-fi in his feeling, but you've got this sort of modern city behind him, he, he really sticks out. Yeah. And the colouring obviously adds to that a lot, because you've got all mm-hmm. the blues and purples in the background, and he's got, like, more sort of yellows and browns 
right. on his costume. But it's, it's the color wheel theory, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, straight up. And then it's Cliffhire where, yeah, uh, Bruce goes as Match. Uh, mm-hmm. Not Match, he just says Match at the end. Right. But it's the same idea uh, to infiltrate the Unseen. <laughs> he's he's very Gordon esque. It does look yes. very commissioner Gordon, actually, you're right. So, he's, that cracked me up. He's like, Barbara, I'm going to cosplay as your dad. Uh, where does he get his mustache groomed? <laughs> I, I got I to try this. Yeah. Um, but I, I do enjoy Barbara as the de facto Alfred now. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it fits her, because to me, you can't have Batman or the Bat family without Alfred. So she is now the, you know, like you said, she can pop up in any Bat-themed book, and it feels right. Because she has the the watchtower, clock tower, whatever we're calling it now, um, and you know I'm always down for matches Malone, or match in this case. Yeah, um, I think what I'm digging about this this sort of and I, I'm talking about this run, but I don't necessarily mean the whole run. I kind of just mean these last two issues because this is where we've we've, we've switched to monthly and we've kind of started the post Infinite Frontier part of the run, and it does kind of feel like. Even though obviously he set up Ghostmaker before, and obviously there's like mentions of the Joker War occasionally and stuff, it does kind of feel like because we know that Tynan only had X number planned, and then he was told, "Oh, it's going to be a longer run," and now he's just on the book sort of for mm-hmm. X amount of time, and he's he's got like longer plans now and stuff. But this kind of feels like more like it is kind of the start of the the proper run in a weird way, where it was supposed to be the shorter thing before, and now it's going to be this longer form thing. And I think what sticks out to me about these two issues so far is that it's done a really good job of having this main plot going on with multiple elements and multiple supporting characters. You know, Montoya, the mayor, Saint, Barbara, mm-hmm. uh, the Unthink, un- sorry, not Unthinker, the Unsane group. The Insane group and but, Masterwise. And- but it's also got these like running subplots, right? So you, not only do you mm-hmm. have whatever Batman is doing and the fear that Scarecrow's got in the say, but... This Harley Quinn plot that's sort of running through is relatively separate right now, but mm-hmm. it's engaging on its own, and it's kind of like, okay, how's this going to then tie into things as we go? Um, or even just, you know, the building up the villain side with Scarecrow and Saint together and sort of that stuff building and bubbling. It's doing a good job of feeling like a nice serialized story that has multiple lanes that are traveling. One, one of the things that I think comic books can sometimes fall victim to, and this definitely happened mm-hmm. a lot in New 52, was it would be a little bit too singular. And there wouldn't be yep. sub-characters, there wouldn't be running side plots. And you can get over stuff with that stuff, don't get me wrong. But it does feel kind of naked without it. And I like that this Batman book feels like there is a breathing Gotham. And obviously the other Bat books kind of add to that and yeah, make it's, it filler. But. This is the type of Gotham that I got into when I first got back into comics. Whereas, I always say it, and I'm probably like a broken record at this point, where you don't have to be reading everything. But if you are, it just... It makes it feel like a tangible world. And we got that a lot in Future State with the Gotham side of things, whereas it, you know, you were able to piece together the puzzle. And I feel like here with Detective, even though they're telling two different stories, it still feels like it's the same Gotham. Whereas I felt like you just brought up the New 52, whereas whatever was going on in Detective felt isolated from whatever was whatever uh, Snyder was doing in Batman. You know, until... They would have a crossover, you know, like the, uh, you know, Death of the Family, or what was the other crossover? Was it uh, Night of the Owls? Yeah, Court of the Owls, um, Night of the Owls, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that came back to back, but then they'd go back off of their separate ways. Um, but I, I definitely enjoy this, because you even brought up the next Batman, where 
it's still the same Gotham. Yeah, it still feels like the same world, yeah. And mm-hmm. and even the other things that are a little bit less, a bit more tangential in terms of like, the characters, but even the Red Hood story, the Grifter story, and these other books that have mm-hmm. been popping up, or the backups, or whatever, they all feel like they're inhabiting the same Gotham. And it's just simple little things like all of them referencing the same mayor, or referencing the same commissioner, or referencing just the, 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 the this uh, AD, this Arkham thing that happened with the gas, like that's been referenced in multiple books now and talking about how there's like unrest because of it. It does feel like there's this breathing Gotham like going around that's that's been established through all the books. It's really good editorial stuff. Um, and when it's done well, like I think it is here, uh, it feels rewarding to be reading uh, all the books you enjoy in that, that corner of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and Definitely. To be fair, they're all pretty much good right now. I don't think there's, there's not any b- bad Gotham books right now. I don't think. I can't think of any. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, no, because you you wouldn't count Nightwing as a Gotham book, right? Because it's well, I would, but, it, something that, but that's amazing now. <laughs> no, no, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, are, are we counting that in there? Are we just uh, strictly talking I, Batman, Detective, Urban Legends? I mean. It's a neighboring location, and yeah. you know it still features Babs and the other characters that'll sort of cross. So I guess I kind of would, even though it's not in Gotham itself. But right. Uh, but I mean, you know, we give that still a score. So Nightwing's good now. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so we're all we're all uh yeah. So I guess it's a really good time, unless for some reason you just don't connect with Titans writing or you don't connect with uh whoever else, maybe which, yeah. Tamaki. Which- I get irritated sometimes by his Batman early on, like reading it. But since then, since really Joker War kind of wrapped up, it's well, been pretty consistent. What's so funny about comics is that there is definitely a very subjective thing where sometimes someone will just not like a writer, right? And, you know, Connor sometimes opposes it a little bit. For the most part, we have kind of similar tastes. Not always mm-hmm. identical, but fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Um. And I get that it's frustrating. I know some people listen to what we say about a certain writer on a certain book and they'll be baffled as to why we're praising something or hating something. Um, and then, you know, the flip side will be the opposite when they end up loving something and then we just don't want to read it. Uh, it just, you know, it happens sometimes. Um, right. And it's the funny thing is, though, but you become very established in your taste where you, you, you learn after several attempts, like, okay, I really don't like this writer, or I really don't like this artist, or or whatever. And it's it's kind of funny that uh, at least right now everything Gotham related seems to be firing in all cylinders. Now, admittedly, we're only like you know this is only the second month of Infinite Frontier. How yeah. long will it feel like this? I don't know. But at least right now things are feeling quite good. So yeah, mm. yeah, that's neat. Uh, so yeah, base story. I think it advances all the plot lines. I'm loving the teasing of the Scarecrow stuff and uh, and the stuff with Batman. So uh. I guess we should rate the main story, Matt. Yeah. Um, between the art by Jimenez and the story that's going on, uh, I have to give this high, so I'm going to go with an 8.5. I can even stretch it to the 9, honestly. Well, there you this, go. It's not, it's not like a standout issue compared to the other you know, ones that have you know, the Nightwing issue with the big mm-hmm. emotional beat. Or, right. or It's not like something super important went down. But this to me was exactly what i want out of like a middle issue of an arc this was this was mm-hmm. advanced everything i'm enjoying all the threads art was gorgeous so that, that's to be as far as what i want the standard to be of an ongoing batman book this was basically it this is an example so for that i give it the name uh that's it we have a backup to talk about 
uh, we have the first part of this uh, Ghost Maker arc that's going to be in the backups for the next little while. And we get Ghost Maker, obviously this is uh, pre-present uh, day. This is uh, when he's operating on his own. And he's got his fancy private jet. He seems to have just had a threesome uh, yeah. with a big bearded man and a woman. And then mm-hmm. he is never going to see them again. And he's got a mission to do. He drops from his plane and his outfit onto this island. Uh, this is uh, Ricardo Lopez on the... Or Ricardo Lop- Lopez Ortiz, sorry, on the art. Yeah. Along with Tynan, who's still writing the, the backup. And this character we teased in the main book, the one with the rose. She is the leader here. This is her island. She's brought a bunch of metas and villains. This is Madame Midas. Is this a pre-existing mm-hmm. character? I'm not familiar with this character. I think these are all new. These are all um, new, yeah. Which I, I give Titan a lot of credit for because these are... You can tell he had fun creating these characters. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I will say he peaks early because those first two that are introduced together in the, that, that first page mm-hmm. are easily the ones I like the most, which is yep. the instigator who's a killer croc-esque looking some bitch. Uh, but Magically transformed martial artist and terrorist, which he also <laughs> talks about going up against the Great Ten. Mm-hmm. So he must, you know, be situated in China somewhere. So, but just the name. Instigator, and he's a gigantic alligator monster. Yep. Also, the Come fact on. that he's martial artist, like, I want to see him do martial mm-hmm. arts. <laughs> okay. yeah. Let's do, let's do this. Um, and then Razor Lane, who's mm-hmm. the one who's sitting with him, who's unspeakable, otherworldly horror, as it just captions yeah. him. He, all he says is, I would not mind getting another slice of him for my collection, is what, what he says. Mm-hmm. So he's just a complete up sort of deranged serial killer, by the looks of it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Madame Midas is, is, is pissed because Ghostmaker, who, who she, she points out that none of the American superheroes know she exists. Because she wants it that way. She wants to be under the radar. But Ghostmaker's been interfering in her affairs. So for that, she's arranged everyone who has ever sort of fought him and survived. Uh, we have Kid yep. Kiwi. We have Brainstorm. Uh, on the Kid, defo- Kid Kawaii. Kawaii. Sorry. Yeah. Ka- Ka- I know Kawaii's a Japanese term for something that's overtly cute. Ah, okay. You know? Yeah, so that's why you have this, you know, uh, kid robot. So it says Pharaoh Fluid Assassination Robot. Um, so of course she's unassuming, right? Like, sure. it's a little girl, but she's a robot that'll murder you. And then brainstorms a telekinetic, right. uh, individual. Right. Um, so basically they're all pissed because she's essentially lured Ghostmaker here by essentially almost announcing that they're all here and like giving Ghostmaker, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a tracker to, to come find them. Uh, no, I mean, not that she didn't literally hand it to him. She sort of, like, l- you know, laid the breadcrumb for him. But uh, they, they they can all follow his movements. They actually see a hologram of him landing on the island, so they know he's here. So the deck stacked against them in that they have a complete, like, knowledge, a live feed of where he is, what he's doing at any given time. And and maybe this is where the, the problem is going to be, is that, He's going to be far too good at everything. Where he's going to overcome this. That yeah, this is this is almost the uh, the John Cena cell of this character, yeah. where he's just going to be amazing at everything, and that's going to be a thing. Anyway, the cliffhanger though is after he's landed. There's a uh, robot tigers with laser eyes <laughs> attack mm-hmm. him, and that's the ending. Do you know what? Do you know what I almost feel with this bizarrely? It kind of feels to me a little bit like the Robin one, where this doesn't feel at the end of an issue. It feels like halfway through an issue. No. Yeah, it was almost like a, a Ghostmaker one shot that they split up. Yeah. 
yeah. but it's more than two parts though so which is why it's interesting to me that this feels like halfway through an issue i, I wonder mm. uh maybe just like tiny's not used to doing these 10 pagers so he effectively maybe wrote like a three issue thing that's going to be split into six parts <laughs> over six issues i don't know what hell that's going to be yeah, but maybe, I, I don't know he got to start doing backups so maybe he did. Exactly that's true that's true so, but no, it did feel like I, I expected more when the Laser Tigers came out. You know, at least finish that fight. But you it, know, ca- it kind of feels questions. like, yeah, it's like they're building a cliffhanger, like an issue-ending cliffhanger out of a moment that doesn't feel like an issue-ending cliffhanger. So when it says to be continued, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. To be continued. All right. Uh, obviously, I mean, the, the, the writing's fine. Uh, I, I like the villains for the most part. They're kind of fun, seemingly. Um mm-hmm. You know, Laser Tigers definitely gives you a sense of the tone and the, the maybe the more, you know, the less serious vibe that it wants to give off. Uh, how did you feel about the the art? I, I think it's fine. It's not, like, my favorite, but it fits the character, you know. Um, it's very anime-esque where it needs to be, or mm-hmm. manga-esque, I guess, since it's, it's you know, sequential and not animated. It does um, feel a little... Uh... It feels like it belongs next to Jimenez style. Like there's yeah. definitely some mm-hmm. some parallels, I think, between them. It's it's definitely not as refined as Jimenez though. Oh, for sure. Like it, it has a sketchier quality, and I mean that like sketch art, not that it's bad. Um, but it, it feels kind of in the similar genre of style, if that makes sense. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, instead of like, because sometimes you go to the backup and it'll be like, oh, you went from someone that looks like Gary Frank to someone who looks like Riley Rosmo, <laughs> and it's like a completely right. different style. There's no whiplash. Yeah, it, it flows. It flows. Which, I mean, I don't know if it needs to flow. I mean, it, it is a backup, so it is kind of fine if it is completely different. But and in this particular case, it, it is kind of comparable. Comparable? Comparable? Comparable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's okay. I, I, I think the biggest problem with it, I think, right now is that it's, in, it's entirely designed to sell us on how good Ghostmaker is. At least that's what it feels like right now. And as of yet, I don't think we are convinced. <laughs> no. He's one of the more annoying uh, creations, to me at least. And people might out there love him. I'm like, great, I'm, I'm happy for you. Like, I did like the the whole swerve with the the guy and the girl because it's just like Ghostmaker does what he wants, you know. So I, I do like that vibe. Although the art, the the guy kind of looked like Caliber from the Outsiders art. You know, I thought that too. I actually thought it was going to be so, Caliber and tie in it. Yeah. Uh, the outsider stuff, and then it never mentioned it. So, oh, he's just a right. He just no. happens to have the same look. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of like that it establishes his vibe real, real quick, which is which is nice because that's what we have experience with him. But yeah, he just he's that character that's too good at everything, and it's hard to get behind him. You know, it was, it was kind of more fun when he was the antagonist to Batman, in that you know, in that stuff. So. Um, I mean, I don't know if I actually agree with that, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well. I like the balance between the two because anytime you can make me root for Batman because the other person's more Batman than him, then, you know, cause those, I hate the back God. We all know this where, you know, there's nothing that Batman can't do with enough planning. And it's just like, that makes for boring stories, you know? Um, so, but I definitely feel that that's the point of Ghostmaker is it's the, maybe he gets himself a little too over his, his head or whatever here. You know, and there's a little bit of humility at the end. Who knows? But I'm I'm here for it. You know, I've definitely read worse backups since Infinite Frontier. So. You have? What was, what was the really bad one? 
I wouldn't say worse stuff that I wasn't digging on. So like some of the Midnighter stuff. Okay. You know, just no, because I was just thinking. I don't think there's been any like yeah. disasters in the backups yet. Mm -hmm. I can no. think of. But like, where's the Midnighter one? I kind of skimmed it and was like, eh. this. I'm like, well, I need to know how he defeats the Laser Tigers. <laughs> you know. So th th yeah, there's I that. Yeah, I mean, I'll read the next backup. Admittedly, I am yeah. I, like I'm not even close to like I, I love the main part of the book. The the backup was like, yeah, this is fine. I, I'm not right. like it, super into it. It feels like a backup, right? Like it just has that. Not that that makes it any less, but it's just not as big as that Gotham story, you know. So. Yeah. Hmm. All right, we written the whole book. Uh, book as a whole, I'm gonna give a, an eight. I will do a similar thing and go down to an 8.5 for the, the overall book. Because uh, obviously the main story weighs way more in my yeah. my rating. Uh, I mean, the backup on its own, like, it's just, like it's like a 6.5, maybe a 7, something in that range. It's, it's, yeah. it's fine. Um, Alright, cool. Green Lantern issue 1, Jeffrey Thorne writing with Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci on the art, uh, which is a little bit cruelly Santucci that I, 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 at a certain point because Santucci's not a bad artist but when I've been looking at Dexter Soy and then I switch to Santucci it doesn't do Santucci favors and I think that's yeah. a, a problem yeah. that you know but this is a this is a an exercise book there was no backup though this is much like Flash last week this is just an oversized first issue I don't know if this continues to be five dollars with extra pages or a backup yeah. or if it goes down to four I've not checked but Flash does though because Flash started at five and is going down yeah. to uh, regular size. Well, let me just say, mm -hmm. I was a little bit worried about Jeffrey Thorne, uh, just from comments about Hal. And, you know, Hal's not my favorite lantern, but over the course of the John's run, he became endeared to me. Um, if this issue does, like, I know I complain about issues being, like, too expensive because we're reading so much. I would make an exception for this if this keeps the quality. Like, if, if I'm keeping the page count, I will pay $5 for this every month. Um, that's how much I enjoyed this. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I feel like you're... I feel like there's a, a, a swerve coming. Oh, you think I'm going to oppose? You think I'm going to tell you that maybe, I hated this? Maybe. And... This is the way you said interesting. Makes you a little <laughs> worried. No, the interesting there was more about uh, just, like, after all the talking about books possibly going to be, like, $5 oh. as, as a standard in... Yeah. Just immediately you're like, oh, if this keeps up the quality, I'm, I'm, I'm down for this, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm more saying I, interesting that you're hypocrisy than uh, anything else. Well, of course. Like, but again, it has to keep the pages. It can't. The pages can't go down. Sure. You know. Uh, I am just checking. Issue two is still five dollars, but it still has forty pages listed. So it's okay. But, but whether or not that has a backup or it's just longer, I don't know. But right. either right. way, it's, it's still keeping the page count. I might, uh, I might get what I asked for, and I might be upset by it. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I think there's a lot of potential in this. Um, I do think it has some rough edges. I do think that mm -hmm. it it has that problem that some comic books do, where I find them spending too many bubbles and words. Ultimately, just either re <gasps> so, pardon me, either regurgitating yeah. or or just basically saying nothing until the point's eventually made. Right. So a little bit, little bit of that. But uh, I do like the status quo this sets up. I like that this is kind of falling into the uh, the United Planet stuff and mm -hmm. Oa trying to like, keep everyone together. The idea that Oa is not the center of the universe anymore and how, you know, how does that change things. Uh, mm -hmm. I do like the cliffhanger, which we'll get to in a little bit. 
Um, and obviously, I like the the we have to sort of deal with the teen Latin with with Kelly and sort of like, okay, where does our glove come from? How do we train her? Do we do we stop her from doing stuff? Like all that right. sort of thing. I, I I like that side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I went on this Twitter. Not, I wouldn't say a rant, but there's a thread that you know for for a long time, Johnson's Green Lantern was my favorite thing in comics. You know, like so much so that I kind of worked the Green Lantern oath into my wedding vows, um, which you should have seen my wife's face. She's like, "Don't, don't do this," and then I, I was able to pull it out. Um, but, but no, yeah, notably, uh, notably, not quite your wife yet when you did that, and yeah. there was a chance that she might not have been your wife, depending on how badly it went. Yeah. Down. <laughs> the only person outside of her that picked up on it was her uncle, which he said he was kind of hoping that I would stick it just to see what would happen. So shout, shout out to Uncle Brian on that one. Um, <laughs> but so like Green Lantern for a long time was very, very like dear to my heart. And then kind of New 52 happened and it, I lost interest and, you know, uh, Rebirth, we had Green Lanterns and Howlin' Pals. And while they weren't up at the same, you know, they were close and I, and I enjoyed those runs for different reasons. Um, I've had Green Lantern not in my life for a while now. Because the the uh, Grant Morrison Liam Sharp series, so I was Jonesing for Green Lantern at this point, uh, and and here you want you want it to become its own thing. Like you don't just I don't want them playing with the emotional spectrum because I feel like in in Rebirth and in New Fifty Two there's a little bit too much of that. So the fact here that Thorn and and Soy and and Santucci are deciding to do a whole new status quo with the Green Lanterns and what that means for the universe and the United Planets. But it doesn't just get rid of it. Like It'd be easy just to throw it out, but it's playing with it in that there's more to the emotional spectrum than we've seen, right? Like there's, there's hints here that those are just pieces of something bigger. Uh, and, you know, there's other... Like, I know this will probably annoy you because of Star Wars, right? But, like, oh. something that Fallen Order did real real nicely was that it, it went, like, there's different kinds of Force users out there. It's not just the Jedi and the Sith. There's there's other people that can right, play Mike. around with it. Mike. Mm. Thank you, Mike. You saved me from stupid Star Wars comparisons. No, no, I'm still going. Oh. Um, But Thorne does that here in the story where there's people that use the emotional spectrum in a completely different way, right? Than than what we've seen with the Green Lanterns or the Sinestros and, and all of them. And I think that's super interesting. And the fact that they're asking questions about the Star Heart, which ties back to Alan Scott, uh, I just it has everything about Green Lantern that I love in one one spot. So Well, so, to yeah. actually go through it then and uh mm -hmm. see what actually goes down here. Uh so there's a tease at the start of a big fight happening. John and, and Baz are, uh, you know, in combat. And then a Thanagarian warrior comes in. Who they clearly have been talking to. Uh, a bit of hostility. And then, then we cut back. We cut back to two hours previously. And this is, you know, okay. We're going to get to why this fight's happening. And I was a little bit worried for those couple of pages. Because what, what I could put out about that future state issue was just that it was just nothing but fighting for, like, a whole issue. And like, I feel right. like nothing happened. Uh, luckily here, being an actual, you know, issue, the first issue in particular of a run is that it's like, no, no, we're going to set up a status quo, we're going to establish where all the characters are, 
Um, and you know, John is the is kind of the head of the core right now. Hal's mm. off elsewhere. He's, he's on a call here at the start. But I think what's interesting about this is it even occurred to me uh, mm. that John was wearing a Kryptonian esque outfit until yeah. he mentioned it later on and like oh no i'm wearing a kryptonian version of like the green lantern outfit because yeah because superman and superboy started this united planets and i'm i'm, I'm honoring their yeah know, their thing and then i was like oh that's kind of neat it, yeah i thought i was like what is he wearing like this is weird is this some new owen garb or and then when yeah like you said it all clicked and then you you see the other members when they get to the inner council they're wearing like full-on almost superman capes uh, around them like i thought it was real cool it yeah so there's a big meeting happening on oa um which it becomes clear as it goes on uh, later on it's made it explicitly clear that at first you may think this is a, a debate about something else but ultimately this is just the united planets deciding whether or not oa even gets let in which is kind of an interesting idea in the first place that, that oa may not be allowed into it uh but we have uh, the we were, you know we're introduced to the the, the Thanagarian uh, Amira who's a uh, part of the the brigade the United Planets brigade, uh, who's kind of there as security even though they have they they mention later on there's literally like thousands of Green Lanterns, <laughs> right <laughs> here, but so there's a little bit of yeah, you know bit, bit of dick measuring as it were uh, between her well, and the Lanterns. If only there was a Thanagarian uh, Green Lantern that we've been introduced to you know years and years ago. To, to set her at, at odds, you know what I mean? With, I think that would that would be cool. Uh, Are you critiquing here? Not so much critiquing. I get where she's coming from about like, oh, the Green Lanterns. No one asked you to be the police force, so who, why do you assume that the United Planets are just going to automatically, you know, uh, admit you? You know, we we can handle things on our own. But like, I feel like, and I don't even know if they're canon anymore. But you have the two. You know, the, the Iranian, you had Vassard from the Green Lanterns, and then Isomot Cole, who is a Thanagarian uh, uh, Green Lantern. Like, I just wish that conversation had happened with, with you know, the Thanagarian one, with Isomot kind of present, because this is someone that's been representing Thanagar as well. So you could kind of see the, you know, like, I want her to be more justified. You know, like, she hasn't seen them mm. do good, right? You know, uh, just personalize it a little bit. But other yeah. than that, I mean, that's just a, it's a small thing. Yeah, Hal gives an update on where the other lands, or because he's on Earth for the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica is uh, went to Sector 0123, mm-hmm. um, and then Rainer's dealing with something at the border of the Vega system. Uh, so it kind of sets up where the other lands are. Um, I do hope there's a planned second book to you know give these other lands yes. something to do. That would be nice. Yeah. But, uh, give give us something like Urban Legends with green lantern and we could rotate um yeah uh they mentioned mogul shifted to the other side of the sun <laughs> for now uh yeah. so not not right next to to oa as it has been the last couple mm-hmm. of times we've seen it um so yeah and that's basically hal's inclusion for the issue is that his hologram you know his green lantern communication goes away um and then we we jump to kelly and kelly's basically throwing a fit and demanding to not be touched by the guardians and when Johnny comes in to find out, you know, what was going on, and, and Baz is like, no, everything was going fine uh, until they asked for the glove, and she's refusing to take it off because she doesn't trust mm-hmm. them. And the Guardians want to, like, dismantle it. They want to, like, look into it because they confirm it's not, you know, any of the things that they, it could have been. Like, you know, it's not this, it's not that. Um, 
and yeah, it's it's, it's super interesting stuff. It's it's similar to Corona's Gauntlet, but it's not Corona's Gauntlet. Yeah, they confirmed that. They confirmed that it's not so, that. They still have that in the uh, in the cell. Yeah, it, right in the vault. So they are definitely concerned about who built this and why is it able to tap into the green power battery. Yeah, basically. Although, I'm pretty sure they also have a line where they say it's not actually tapping into their power battery. That's right. Yeah. They they thought that it was, but it's almost self sufficient. Yeah, which I'm sure bothers them. Right, because we all know the Guardians are all about control. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some speculation here about, okay, we have these new central planets and all that stuff, but, I mean, she did show up with this glove before Infinite Frontier and before the end of mm-hmm. Death Metal, so, uh, you know, this is obviously a mystery the book's going to explore and maybe answer. I, I wonder if there is an answer. I wonder if Bendis had an idea for this that he's yeah. passed on to, to Thorne. Or is this something that Thorne has just been left to uh, fix himself? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean... If that's if that's the case, cool, because I do like Kelly as a character. Um, the fact that they keep calling her a teen, but they keep arguing she's eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. you know. So she doesn't want to be Kid Lantern; she's Teen Lantern. You know, I thought that was a fun little runner. Yeah, they keep calling her so, Kid Lantern. Yeah, and she keeps correcting yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, we see her interacting with other aliens, and she's not scared, which the alien kind of mm-hmm. thinks is a little bit funny. Um, uh, Baz gets some. It looks like a corn dog, but he says it tastes like chicken wings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which sign me up, aliens? I guess you know alien stuff. Yeah. And then we're introduced to sort of the, the more antagonistic characters here. Well, this is one of the things that I think the, the book is a bit longer, and I do think you feel the length a little bit because it is doing quite a lot in this first yeah. issue. But it introduces to these uh, this group of aliens who I am not familiar with. I don't know if these are pulled from anywhere or if they're a new entity. Let me, let me look. Because they're, they're, as a long-term Lantern reader, they seem new to me. Yeah. But they could be, you know, from from decades ago, for all I know. Yeah, the, uh, they, they, they basically are, are very, uh, shall we say, uh, confrontational with, with mm-hmm. the Lantern uh, way and the emotional spectrum and everything else. And they kind of form a protest, which turns into the big fight, because they basically have this... It turns out to be this orb, mm-hmm. or energy, that reacts to willpower, because ultimately the, the Lanterns win the fight by John realizing this and telling everyone to stand down and depower, and it just kind of, like, shrinks and goes away. But whilst they're all fighting, it's all these big giant tentacles alight, and it's, like, hitting things and all that... Uh, uh, probably the more interesting part of the issue. I mean, obviously, it's interesting that we have this this potential antagonist and some of the politics are going to go on. But I think perhaps some of the more interesting stuff is some of the uh, the the brief glimpses we get of the of the of the various alien delegates speaking mm-hmm. as to whether or not their worlds accept Oa into the huh? into the, the United planets. planets. Uh, you know, the representative from Kolu talks about, you know, all the things that the Guardians have done, the Green Lanterns have done, uh, and they do accept. And perhaps the more exciting one is uh, the Sinestral Corps uh, for Corrigar, for New Corrigar, I should, mm-hmm. I should, I should say, um, where they basically say no. And what I thought was really interesting about this is the way they talk about uh, the Guardians being basically, you know, full of fear, which you think <laughs> Sinestral and the, and the Yellow Lantern Corps would be uh, all about. But they're like, no, mm-hmm. they're scared, and everything they've done is out of fear. 
they're they're, they're right. you know they're, they're cowards and you know Kurigar denies so ultimately they do get voted in but it, it is kind of notable that the one sort of glimpse of Sinestro we get in this book uh really I mean he's, I think you see his, you see his face later on in a, a yeah well, shot, he's, but... he's back to being antagonistic towards towards the GLs yeah, but so, not in like a, a super villain kind of way. This is no. more. This is very much more Black Adam, like representing his his country kind of. Yeah, but style. you know, for the longest time, there's been a truce, right, between Sinestro and the like. Back in Hall and Pals, they were working together, and that's why you had Arkillo and Guy being able to team up on adventures. You know, so the I, fact here that they're back to being on almost opposite sides. And you have this whole delegation of the Sinestros. I don't necessarily you know, yeah. think that this puts them back to being... Because, I mean, keep in mind, they're still a part of the United Planets after this. Like, you know, the Sinestral Corps and New Kurigar are still a part well, of that. Right, Korrigar is, and Korrigar is deemed that the Sinestro Corps represent them. Because I'm sure he's still... You know, I don't I don't know what the, the, the story is now that if Sornik is still the leader of New Korrigar... I mean, may, may, maybe... Remember, I mean, maybe they will go full villain. I'm not saying right. they won't, but I, what I'm saying is I don't think that this means that he is going villain again or full villain again. Oh, no, not full villain, but like you, you said it with Black Adam. I'm just saying like for a while he's like, oh, we can work with the Green Lanterns. And this, it seems like maybe he's not as much not trusting the Green Lanterns as much as the Guardians, which is par for the course, you know, for Sinestro, you know. I was trying to find that group of aliens, but I don't think they're given a name. The the name that we get is the name of the weapon mm. that feeds off of the emotions, which is, you know, another one of the Guardian secret weapons that has backfired, you know. Yeah, uh, we do have um, a citizen shows up, and mm-hmm. he doesn't have much to tell us, but he does mention that before the man hurts, uh, the, gar- uh, the Guardians created the a- Atma-Tentrum. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Atma- Atma-Tentrum. At- Atma-Tentrum. You gotta add a glottal stop with that uh, apostrophe. <laughs> I know. It's like Hawaiian. Screw, screw you, writers, for making this hard to say. Uh, but talk, talk about the source of peace. They feared the power and disorder of the spectrum, uh, the emotional spectrum uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it, yeah, it does bring this idea in that there's other spectrums and there's other things that they're, they're going to be introducing here on the run. Uh, and the idea we have these beings who are kind of against the emotional spectrum, or at least the, the use of it in the way that. Uh, you know, the Guardians do, and the Lanterns use it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, so, you know, John realizes that th- that's all about is this thing's feeding off willpower. He figures that out from Citizen, and they all depower, and the the main, the leader of this little alien group, this sort of ace-looking princess one, she kind of gets really upset. Mm. Uh, but she does talk about the Starheart. She says, the yep. Starheart must be free. Um, which is interesting, which... You know, are we going to get to this idea? Are we finally going to like properly kind of take where the the Alan Scott power comes from? Is that going to connect in some way to uh, Kelly's power, perhaps? And is it going to be some sort of different force that we're going to play with now in Green Lantern Mythos in a, in a more bigger way than it ever really has? Uh, I don't know, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Unless the, unless the name Starheart's just a little Easter egg, and it's not actually going to connect to that at all, which is entirely well, possible. I mean, if, if you know about the Starheart, you know that is a you know the Guardians try to condense magic into one spot. And, you know, ended up landing on Earth, and that's what gives Alan Scott his power. That's what he carved. It's a piece of the star heart. You know, so if these people who seem to be magic, they know about Gem World, right? So if they're holding this up as like a, like a, 
That's what I'm looking for. Not a holy icon, but you know, it's it's a relic to them, you know, and how they view the the spectrum and whatnot. Like again, comparing it to the Force in Star Wars, you know, it's just how they interact with it. I I think that's really cool because then it ties again all the mythos together. Yeah, the way through the Star Heart to the point that when at the end of the book when Oa is accepted and you've got the two guardians and a few green lanterns behind them uh, on this little you know levitating platform there is an assassin who yells free the heart and then assassinates uh one of the guardians and we end on this kind of shock thing and it says next issue funeral for a guardian so that's our big cliffhanger i actually really like the cliffhanger i really like the things that are raised in this book i dig Mm -hmm. where it seems to be going i dig the potential of it i do think as an issue on its own to read it is a little bit ploddy at times in the middle there's maybe a little bit too much dialogue um it can maybe flow a little bit better. So I think the the comic kind of technical artistry, if you will, is a little yeah. rough around the edges. The actual premise and where the story seems to want to go, I'm definitely into. I definitely want to read more. Like I, I'm in, I'm yeah. in for issue two. Uh, don't, so I'm not as in love with it with you, as you are, but I, I do wonder how much of yeah. your like desperate need to want a Green Lantern book is affecting your. Uh, no, because because I here. went in with the arms folded, like impress me, and they did. You know. Like, um, and th- this is what I was looking for. So I've, I've been quiet because I was searching for it. I couldn't remember the page, but uh, it's when John realizes that, you know, the source of peace. So he has to stand down. They talk about the emotional spectrum and the citizen says he's never been comfortable with that, uh, with that description. Love is a spectrum, rage is a spectrum, fear is, but life, death, no, they're really not. But greed, compassion, hope, what are they? They're all a result of choice of will so it's almost as if saying like the green was the very first and they've branched off from there mm-hmm. so again that's taking the emotional spectrum idea and adding to it and what does that mean going forward with you have these and i found out the aliens are from sorcerer world which i think is where um the guy from uh from legion comes from i'm drawing a name on his blank i'm drawing up Jeez, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, I'm pretty sure he's from there, and one of the Legionnaires is from there too. So it's seeding all this stuff there with with magic and the Star Heart, and um, but yeah, but the whole idea that the spectrum is a spectrum of spectrums is something that I can get behind. I think I think what's interesting to me here is the idea that they want to free the Star Heart, and the idea that they think that the the lanterns and the or the guardians specifically, maybe more so. Uh, have kind of caged something that they think should be free, that they worship either like a call or even greater than that, like a full-on religious entity. I, that is a very interesting prospect. Um, and if it does lead to, uh, you know, sort of bringing in Alan Scott in a weird way, I mean, maybe it doesn't even need to. Like, it can be related to that without ever needing to, like, re- reference him, really, but... Okay. So they're from, it's actually Planet Xerox, which is kind of funny. Um, but it's Xerox with a Z, not an X uh, at the front. But it is basically the touch point of all magic. So it touches Gemworld, the Fifth Dimension, Mira, Skataris, Hell, Land of the Nightshades, the Dreaming, Azrath, Limbo, the Red, the Gray, the Green. Um, and Mordru, that was the guy I was trying to think of. That's where he's from. Um, okay. So a- adding that, on top of it, you know, we're definitely getting a 
more cosmic Green Lantern, I feel. It's not just the space opera-y of the Johns era. It's actually, you know, cosmic DC. With Like you said, you point out there's the Kaluans, the Anagarians, all these aliens of different worlds coming together. Um, and now you have these guys, which, I mean, you hear all those names and how now with, with magic that we usually aren't getting magic with Green Lantern, right? Those are two worlds that are vastly different. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting yeah. new concept that they've not done yeah. in a while. And I I do hope, though, because a lot of the things you just said to me there are all kind of interesting. I do hope the book itself actually gets across some of these ideas a bit yeah. more as the issues go on and it you know kind of explains where they come from. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. thing for us to have some fun and sort of go hunting for the, the connections, but some of this actually might be super important to uh, yeah. the story. So, uh, very, very neat. So... Yeah, I mean, it's starting off an assassination, so it kind of it paints them as these, mm-hmm. you know, devout believers in what they're doing. So that gives you a sense of, you know, they're not, you know, they're not a group of jokers. They're not a group of whatever. They're more like a Magic League of Assassins in a weird way, yeah. where they're devout. So that's yeah, interesting. and he reminds me from from uh, Aaron's run. You had the Light Elves. This Sorry, guy, the way I, he, he I should rephrase that. Alien Magic. Yeah. League of Assassins. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but no, they, they remind me of the Light Elves from Aaron Store Run, you know, way back. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, with, with the way that he fires his bow and, you know, and it's yellow, right? And that's the way that it hits the Guardian. Like, that's not Ganthet, right? Because the other, the lady Guardian's like, oh, my brother, he's dead. Um. So, yeah. Pretty, pretty big moment. Also, uh, Sinestro's face looking pretty self-satisfied there at the bottom. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, so that's just face. Is it even this? Let's say happy. It just sort of feels like, well, yeah, saw that expect? coming, saw that uh, coming, <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, no, I I really enjoyed this issue a whole lot, just for what it did. You know, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, and if it can keep this pace, then I'm gonna have a new favorite book to talk about every month. You know, <laughs> which I I did expect. You know, going into this, you think Connor hates it? I don't know. It, it seems to be more his, like, he might think that there's too much going on, you know? Mm-hmm. He might call it a little bendacy, uh, but I, I don't know. Huh? Just yeah. uh, all right, what are you rating Green Lantern issue one? I'm giving this a nine. Whoa! Yeah, I am I going to give this a solid seven out of ten. I see a lot of potential, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some rough edges to to, to deal with so but i'm hoping i'm hoping this will be a run that i'll get into mm-hmm. uh i mean they even mentioned the art that much up beyond just the the, the art change uh yeah it's, it's, it's very house style uh even dex or soy stuff is a little more house style than normal for him i think yeah uh, um i don't know it feels chaotic when it needs to but it never feels like it's overwhelming in the art I think part of the problem is is that with Green Lantern, and this is a common problem with Green Lantern a lot of the times, is that there's so many characters to draw, especially yeah. in an issue like this where you've got this this conclave of all these people standing around, mm-hmm. and then you've got all the fights with like you know tons and tons of characters all zooming around and stuff. Um, and I think that maybe does present an obstacle that I don't know if this book necessarily overcomes in the sense that you know this is not like the Dexter pages are not the best Dexter art I've seen by a long shot. Like if you go read his Outsider stuff. Uh, True. That he did just recently. Uh, that stuff is phenomenal looking. Um, but it's certainly not bad though. It's, it's not like an eyesore or anything like that. No. 
but uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's Green Lantern issue one. The Swamp Thing issue two. Ram V writing with Mike Perkins on the art. Uh, obviously this was a very positive review last time. Yes. And uh, dare I say that I'm not expecting anything that much different from this, and that it is fantastic. And we're about to tell you why it's fantastic. <laughs> are, are we, though? I, I think so. We're going to try. No, yeah, we are. I'm not going <laughs> to Matt, try to pretend he's not into this. This is great. Uh, yeah. So Levi, you know, we, we had the ending last time, or it was near the ending, where he's coming out of the tree mm-hmm. in Central Park, but he's, he's traveling to this desert in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona. Uh, I'll make that joke every time. Uh, um, I will tell you. Last week, my wife was tired of hearing that. <laughs> it was the Grand Canyon, and it, I was looking for Jackie Daytonia, <laughs> best bartender in all of Arizona. <laughs> so, yeah. if you're if you're wondering why we're saying this, uh, watch the TV show uh, where the wild things are. Uh, <laughs> No, where the wild things are. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I thought you were making a joke. No, 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 no. I, what are we doing in the shadows? What are we doing in the shadows? Uh, Season it's not, two. It's a long title beginning with W. Okay, it just kind of swapped to my mind. I don't go back and rewatch shows very much, but Ash hasn't seen the first season. She only watched the second season with me because mm. um, she's not a big fan of the film. Like, she she looks at me and my brother when we watch it, and she's like, "This is funny, but it's not as funny as you guys make it out to be." I mean, so she's. She skipped the first one. But... I like the show better than the movie as well. Yeah, well, it's. I feel the characters are, are a lot more, you know, how do I say? I want to say developed, but there's more to these characters, you know. And how do you not love Matt Barry? Oh, my Barry's great. <laughs> anyway, so, anyway, anyways, yes. uh, Swamp Thing. So, yeah, so Levi is, is with, uh, oh, I've forgotten her name. Is it Stephanie? Hello? No, no, maybe. I don't want to say no. Jennifer. 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 There you go. Yeah, see, I was right. right. So he's with her, and he actually tells her about his experience, which obviously... And I, I like how she kind of reacts to this throughout the issue, where she says that she believes it, because, you know, he believes it, but you kind of get the sense that she's sort of treating this like he's... he's, You know, maybe he's just having nightmares and sleepwalking, but he's mm-hmm. obviously experiencing this this weird trip where he doesn't yeah. quite understand what's happening as he's being swamped thing in the desert. But, you know, we're seeing these glimpses that he's, he's meeting this... Uh, the Pale Wanderer, and... Mm-hmm. Pale Wanderer is just murdering different victims, just murdering different people in the desert. Uh, and the Wanderers try to, like, turn him into kind of a... Just, like, a, this elemental beast like he is uh, yeah. throughout. Gone, someone that's gone, you know, given up their humanity to fully embrace what they are. Um, and that's that's something that goes back through Swamp Thing. Yeah, and, you know, you know he actually looks up this, you know, from what he recollects, he looks up the, these, like, crimes and, like, does find evidence of them, mm-hmm. uh... Uh, which is kind of the scariest thing for him in these early pages. Uh, and we get this kind of montage of, you know, the Wanderer killing mm-hmm. a couple of different people in the desert in the title page. And yeah, because he tries to stop him every time, and he's unable to, right? It's like he's out of his his depth yet because he's... And he's not even 100% sure this is happening every time, right? Like No, I mean... Did, did he's, that... he's fully convinced it's a dream. Is he actually trying to stop them? I, I mean, I guess he kind of, he's reaching out his arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very passive, though. I got this very kind of, like, passive, he can't really control it yet kind of thing. Yeah. Because uh, he says he sees all of the stuff, and he, one night he offers me a piece from a new kill. My being aches for sustenance, water, sunlight, the earth, anything, but I refuse. Each time he walks into the night, leaving me a desiccated death. 
I know that if I am to survive this one day, I will have to stop him. So yeah, he's almost yeah. more passive. Like he's almost a prisoner in this. Yeah, he doesn't accept the flesh. He says he needs to stop him, but you know he's he's not in control yet. Uh, there is still someone spying on. We'll get to that at the end because that's more the cliffhanger. Yeah. But uh, we still see someone spying on on Levi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we cut back to the sheriff uh, from the Arizona town. You know, this very cynical sheriff who was you know get waxing lyrically last issue about what the desert means and and why people go to the desert. And he's getting drunk in the bar, and he's basically shook because he saw the monster. He saw the pale wanderer last issue. And he's like, how do I come back from this? I can't just pretend. You know, this other guy's like, hey, the feds are coming in. You don't have to worry about this anymore. It's not your problem. And he's like, I saw the truth. I mean, he didn't say this literally, but his sentiment is, I saw the face of goddamn evil. I, I can't just, like, put this out the back of my mind. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's someone who's lost the sight of hope. He's lost all these things. And, it, I mean, this scene's more about setting up that he's obsessed. And uh, just before we move on from this, the colouring here is like, because obviously there's a lot of greens and browns and oranges of the desert and the greens of swamp thing. I love that when you get to this uh, this 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 bar scene, it's all pinks and purples. It really just yeah. sets up a different vibe. Um, and it kind of works because you've got the idea of the neon lights of like a bar scene, even though it wouldn't normally be this, you know, powerful for the whole bar, but it just it gives you yeah. that feel, uh, which is really good. Uh, Perkins, uh, again, uh, much like issue one, this is the best I've ever seen from Perkins yeah he's knocking this out but yeah i i love you know we get back into the character stuff with levi and talking about you know seeing his father you know he went to see his father in india before his father died and his father of course said you know i you know uh uh was it was it, i for, i forgive you yes that's why i had to get the, yeah. the line right um and it's this idea that you know he can move on from things right and mm-hmm. that he can accept what he's become, but make good out of it. He is it's a fresh start. It's a chance to be new. It's a chance to start again. And and obviously, this message is kind of you know the driving force for what he ultimately does in this issue as Swamp Thing. Um, uh, the idea that maybe his father towards his death, kind of the, like offering this fresh start is kind of this release for him that Levi's not ready to like sort of deal with or comprehend yet. Um. And I love I love the touch as well that the uh, you know the heart rate monitor is this green, mm-hmm. so it kind of just it fits into the color scheme of of the whole book and swamp thing. Um, but yeah, um, but you know, what I like about this though is that it says it's Jennifer who is talking over most of this and talking about how this is trauma. And this is what I said earlier. I love how she kind of like talks about all of this as if it is just a trauma that he has to get over. It's not like a literal thing necessarily to her. Um, even right. though she, she says she believes him, but does she really believe that he's transfer, you know, transporting to a desert in the middle of the night? <laughs> I don't no, think she is. <laughs> and, and, no, but she is listening to him though. Yeah, you know, like, which is which is good because he needs clearly he needs to talk about it. Yeah, because she you says know? you know the reason why your father said I forgive you is that you know he wanted to not have the burden of his death you know weigh on him. You know, he mm-hmm. wanted him to move on and and do other things and. You know, so it's this, it's that night seemingly where he transports back to the desert, and this is probably the time because it's been very abstract every time I've seen him in the desert. At this yeah. point, it's all been these very close-ups and like silhouettes and shadows. This is the first time it's the most clear we've ever seen him, where we see like the full body of Swamp Thing and we see the eyes properly. And it's right at this moment that the the sheriff has went to the desert and he's like, you know, he's trying to kill the pale wonder. He can't let this go. He has to kill the evil, and he's mm-hmm. got fire everywhere. He's firing a shotgun at him he's got molotovs and it's just as 
he's about to kill the sheriff, you know, the idea that you know all hope is just about gone, where this right. new swamp thing, Levi jumps in, uh, he's basically on fire because he's jumped through the fire, and he says, you will kill no more. And he says his name, he says, I'm Levi Kamai, uh, and, you know, my brother created me in the, the, the wetlands of uh, Kazarang, and I'm sure we're going to get more than that as, as time goes on, yeah. as to the origin. Uh, but he's like, you know, I was a man not long ago, um, and now I'm just a thing from a swamp, which I, maybe a little on the nose, that line, but... But I, I like, because he goes, I'm yeah. just a thing from a swamp, which, so I looked up the, the Kazaringa, and there's, there's a Kazaringa National Park that's in North uh, East India, in, sure. in Assam, and it is, it's, you know, like, all, like, wetlands and, and rainforest, and so, like, for him, for his, what it looked like his brother summoning this primal force, which we know is the green, right? Yeah. Out of this place that's so wild, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of similar to what we're used to with Swamp Swamp Thing in Louisiana, right? From the Bayou. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know that that's that's you know upsets the pale wanderer. He starts like hacking at him and saying, you know, you you think you're still a human, you you're clinging to your humanity, but he starts ripping at his chest like, where's the flesh? Where's the bone? You know, there's none of that here. Uh, you're just like me. You're nothing like me. You're just a monster kind of thing. I mean, he doesn't say those words exactly, but that's the, no, the sentiment. No, that's what he's, he's yeah. trying to get at. And, you know, for, for me, I don't necessarily think he's part of the rot. But he, you know, when you look at the backstory of him as he was this guy that left the war and went back looking for gold, he's almost like a physical representation of greed, right? And that's what he's just... He's in the desert consuming everything, all these resources. Yeah, there's a few things. Yeah. There's, the, there's the cynicism and the idea that there was nothing for him, so he, feel, right. he felt like he had to start taking things, and it became, mm-hmm. you know, almost this literal, like, monster in the desert well, who's feeding and off And that's of what the, the absence of hope is, and it... Yeah, yeah. But tie it back to, to Levi, right? Whereas he, he, he has this trauma and how he chooses to deal with it versus this guy who deals with the trauma as, well, there is no hope. He's fully yeah. giving, but he's also darkness. but the monsters. I mean, the, the pale wanderer is literally feeding off of anything that steps into. I mean, it's a place that's already devoid of resources. It's a place that's devoid of anything, right. and he's I'm, taking I'm, I'm... and he's taking anything that happens to like ever come into it. So the, there's no hope for anything to ever, you know, dare I use the word grow or anything to further thrive yeah. or anything to happen, it, which is which I'm, is. You I'm know, taking that from from a mental aspect with with Levi, right? Is like. This is him kind of fighting, you know, depression or whatever, like with his dad. Oh, yeah. You know, he's he has to let go of his trauma and fully embrace the new, whereas the Pell Wanderer is like, no, this is exactly who I am. There is no hope. And he's given into the darkness. And that's why, you know, or more specifically, has to stand up to him. Or more specifically, he's given into the trauma. He's he's given into... Right. He's he's let his demons overcome him, and exactly. the idea of Levi is fighting his demons. Like he he could have potentially, but he's he's got someone who loves him, who's trying to help him for a start, which is you know his anchor, which is a big part mm-hmm. of the whole man and monster thing in general, but especially Swamp yep. Thing. Um, and basically, you know, he's he says, you know, um, I am the knowledge. I'm the green. He talks about how he can feel that millions of years ago before this was a desert it was thriving with life there was green here it wasn't always a desert i mean obviously it's millions of years it's a long ass time ago but it wasn't always this dead land and he basically grows a giant ass tree out of uh, the middle of the pale wanderer uh, in, in the middle of the desert 
And this full-page spread of this... And what's so good about it is, obviously, it's all about orgies and stuff, mainly because of the desert, but also because of the fire and the previous pages. And you get this full-page spread of this giant tree with the purple sky behind it. And you have the reaction shot at the bottom of the sheriff looking back with... And this is the thing, it it confirms it later on, but I kind of love this moment on its own, where you can see in the art... This is how good the art is from Perkins in this Mm -hmm. issue. You can see in the art that this sheriff has basically just seen a miracle. And he's like, this is like the sheriff getting his hope back that, oh, Mm -hmm. something good can come out of this place. Something good can exist. Right. It's not all lost. Um, Because I was worried, like, earlier in the issue in the bar, when he, like, the way it was going, I felt like, oh, is this going to be, like, a tragic character who tries to kill this thing and, like, dies and gets himself killed? It was almost like he was resigned that this is it. Yeah. He's, he, this is his it. This is the end of his life. He's gonna go try to kill this thing, and which plays he's not in, gonna make it back. Yeah, which plays into the Levi stuff. The idea that of not resigning to this is it. That there is right. still hope. Uh, well, and then on top of it, like just stylistically looking at it, this tree blows up, and it looks like a like a mushroom cloud. Almost does, yeah. Which obviously, but it's, when you associate the, a, the desert with the, you know, the testing and stuff like that, so there's right. some imagery there. Whereas the, the, the nuclear aspect of it, where this is a thing of destruction, this is a thing of life. Yes. And yeah. it's that, that idea as well, that the whole point of this is to have something to prove that there can be something that can come out of nothing, out of this dead land. So mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, it's a beacon of hope for the sheriff, but the idea that mm-hmm. anyone can be inspired by this, uh, that life can persist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of beauty in the darkness here, which is kind of what I love about Swamp Thing in general, which is why I like kind of the sadder, darker Swamp Thing stories, because when you have these moments where life does kind of, like, come through, it has this kind of, you know, this 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 strength to it. Uh, and, you know, when Jennifer gets up the next day, Levi's in a good mood, he's making breakfast, and she's like, hey, you're in a really good, you have a good night's sleep? And he's like, not really. But we get the transition, because it's on the TV behind him, and it transitions into the news report. Mm-hmm. Because naturally, this is this has been picked up. People, there's this giant tree has sprouted. I do, I do love the in, in the de- middle of the Sonoran Desert. Yeah, but I love, I love the detail here. Not only is a giant tree sprouted, it's an Indian tree. They mentioned it's that an it's an Indian banyan tree. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that touch. And mm-hmm. you know, like the, the other cops, like talking to the sheriff, and uh, he's asking, you know, what happened here, and he just says, "It's a tree. It's a giant effing tree in the middle of the yeah. desert, and it's beautiful." Uh, mm-hmm. And hell, and I don't know if they're going to bring Batman into the book, but we get reaction shots of various people around the DCU, and Batman's watching the cave. Yeah. Uh, but we get uh, the, the final page is Prescott Industries, and this is who's been hiring the the spies to spy on Levi. Uh, and he's got the file on him, and he looks down, and there's a, another file saying the Holland phenomenon uh, in another folder. So this is someone mm-hmm. who's studying the green. So, I mean, it's obviously it's kind of easy to say this is going to be the. Uh, Oh, what's the character's name? Uh, from Swamp from, Thing. From the the rot. Not the rot. No, 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 no. Uh, the the businessman from uh. The, oh God! This yeah, like... it's it's he's he's Abby's uncle, Arcane. No, 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 Arcane. Huh? I'm not talking about Arcane. <laughs> I'm not thinking about Arcane. I'm thinking about uh. The the one who actually that tries to get uh, Doctor Phosphorus involved and and uh, Alan Moore's run. I haven't read that, so I'm not. Oh, I'm not sure. that's going to bug me. I'm going to look it up. Uh, what's yeah. your thoughts on the book? Go on, Matt. You. Uh... So no, so 
I uh, Sunderland Corporation came up when I read the you know last year. Oh, Sunderland! Year. Yes, you said it. Sunderland. Sunderland. Okay, I didn't know if that was the name of the guy. Yeah, um, Sunderland. That's what I was trying okay. to my God. <laughs> Here's the thing: I did not know that went back that far because to me, Sunderland was the one from the Mark Russell Digital First series that I read last year, when when we didn't have any comics and TC started putting those out. So I started reading those, and that went to the point where you know swamp thing ends up taking over you know uh and wipes out sunderland core and you know um so yeah but this is mergers and acquisitions so this is the prescott industries headquarters so i feel like this is a new character right um because it, you know whatever they are they're they're looking for the green or swamp thing or whatever it oh, is. Oh, I mean, it seems like a new character. Because uh, yeah. what I was trying to say when I was got into the the, the wormhole yeah. of not uh, remembering the name was that mm-hmm. it was, maybe at this service just assume it's the new Sunderland in terms of what they're right. going to be to Levi. But at the same time, it makes sense that someone will be looking into him and we'll see kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Avery, Avery Sunderland was the name of the character's name that I was trying to remember. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so no, I, I like that tease. Um, I wasn't expecting the desert stuff to be kind of wrapped up, more or less, by end of... I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I assume this tree being there is still going to be brought up, and maybe there'll be more stuff, but I kind of feel like the story of the Pale Wanderer and the story of the Sheriff who saw it, this could be the end of them, and I think that's fine. Yeah. I think this is a perfect end point, if that's where they leave them. Um, mm-hmm. But, because uh, I, th- I think it tells a really good story on its own, uh, but obviously a lot of this is, you know, leading into wherever we're going with, uh, with Levi now. Uh, I think Ram V's ascension in comics in the last like year has been silly. Like I don't know yeah. how he rose up with so many great books as quickly as he has, but it's 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 absolutely uh, gobsmacking. Uh, yeah, and you mix that with the the Perkins art, is Mike it? Perkins art, which is which is very moody, and you know it fits just the tone of the book. Because like I like my first introduction to, to Perkins was the Lois Lane book that he did with Rucka. Mm-hmm. But like his art really fits kind of that horror style. Well, that's not like true. Horror tones. He did an arc in Green Lanterns. He did? He did. That's where I, that's where I discovered him and that's where I said, oh, hey, shoot. I like this. I did not remember that. So, yeah. Um, no, just feel good. Sorry, I just got a, I just got a hockey alert. It, it, it's not good for the knights now, so that that's fun. Uh, um, yeah, it's checked. I can't say I'm all that concerned, admittedly, but yeah, um, yeah. No, I I think the the character building of this new character, uh, like this is this thing where you know one of the complaints we have about Ghostmaker and the backup for Batman is that he's just so good at everything. What makes this character so compelling is that he's so flawed and he's so unsure of himself. So that when he actually pulls off something spectacular, which he does at the end of this issue. It is a genuine F yeah moment. You're kind of happy that he was able to do something so magical that will mean something to people. And the fact that it makes himself feel better, on top of just the, the metaphor of like, oh no, this is him getting through his trauma and this is him kind of reaching some kind of inner peace. Um, I'm actually fascinated to see where the story is going to go now. And obviously there's a plan here. The, we've got a 10-issue uh, game plan, which, by the way, everyone keep buying Swamp Thing because I would like a season two. <laughs> yes. So Yeah, and I think it's doing pretty well. Um too from I hope so. from the buzz I've heard at my shop. Like there's a lot of buzz around Ram V. The one of the guys that works there is a big fan of his and 
apparently told me to read Savage Shores like last year and and kind of got irritated with me when I said Connor told me to read it, so I was picking it up. <laughs> so, you know. Um, so yeah, so so that's always good. Like you're right, his his rise has come so fast. You know, yeah, where it's... I didn't know if it was Ram V or Ram Five, right? Back at the beginning. And now <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's a name that we bring up almost too much sometimes. He's become like I think him and Tom Taylor have become kind of this pair of like yeah. young writers that we we just mm -hmm. we're in love with most of their work and it's exciting yep. whenever they're doing something. Um, mm -hmm. yes, love it, love the issue too, Matt. What are you give an issue to a Swamp Thing? I mean, this is a nine. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a nine point five. <laughs> There you go. That's what I was debating. I wasn't debating to go low. I was debating, do I go the extra yeah, half point? So, uh, 8.5. I'm loving it. I'm loving the Swamp Thing. Uh, so, good stuff. All right. Man Bat, issue three. Uh, Dave Valgos and Samit Kumar uh, on this book. Uh, we ended the last issue with Harley having Man Bat tied up on the couch. So, we have the, uh, the therapy session uh, and what comes next. Uh, I was not as into issue two. I think the Suicide Squad stuff kind of deflated the momentum a little bit. Um, uh, I would say I like this one a bit more than issue two, though. I think this was a, a, a pivot in a better direction, I think. Yeah, definitely. It You know, it wasn't just him fighting the whole time. that It progressed the story just a little bit. Um, you know, Scarecrow's having a big uh, 2021 so far. Yeah, he's a lot more cartoony yeah. in this, but I do think it's interesting yeah. that even in this book, He's talking. The reason why he wants the uh, the audio like uh, devices yep. is because he wants to you know move beyond just using gas. He wants to use do right. different things with fear. It's not as interesting. I mean, I think the biggest problem for this book, and it's kind of a shame for it because it was made yeah. come out a long time ago. But coming out in the same day as both Batman and Swamp Thing, where Swamp Thing is doing a better Man and Monster story than the Man Bat is, and then you also yeah. have a better Scarecrow in Batman. So everything this book is doing. It's getting done better in other books that are coming out at the exact same time, which is really unfortunate However, for it. However, <laughs> it's endearing Kirk Langstrom to me more, you know? Mm, sure. Because this is the Kirk that we're going to get uh, end up getting in Justice League Dark from, you know, Tynan that we all kind of liked. Or not kind of liked, we all did like that version. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see how it's coming, but just the concept of, of Scarecrow basically wanting to use infrasound, which I don't know if you know about. Like, it's a... Uh, it's a sound that we can feel but not hear, and mm. it can, you know, because of that, it can trigger, you know, a fear response. So, like, when people talk about, like, a house being haunted and it's old, usually it's because it's generating infrasound, right? And it gives you that creepy feeling. So the fact that he's using that with subliminal-type sound and whatnot, it's it's a real fun take, I think, to to mesh these two Batman rogues together, right? Like... Joker using, or Joker, I keep doing it, I did it back. Scarecrow using sound, and, you know, Man Bat, who's a sound expert, of course, tying that together. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of bit of, like, you know, Kirk fantasizing about how, like, how he sees his story ending where he cures deafness, mm -hmm. <laughs> and his wife takes him back, and Harley kind of makes fun of him for it. But ultimately, she lets him go. Uh, and she's like, hey, punch me so it looks like I didn't let you go. Uh, so mm -hmm. Walla won't be pissed. Uh, Scarecrow kidnaps his wife. Uh, and then the bulk of the issue, though, is that Kurt goes to his sister, who's not happy to see him. Right. 
But ultimately, they kind of reconnect when he opens up and gets emotional about everything. And it seems like things are going fine. Batman's uh, sort of figured out Scarecrow's behind the kidnapping. It's not Kirk. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the police just assume it is. And things are going well. They're bonding. They're laughing. They're, they're, they're reminiscing. But then when he thinks he's done it and he has a cure to you know, help the people that he made deaf in the city, when he says this to her and it kind of implies that he wants her help to test it, uh, she gets really upset because she doesn't want to be fixed. She doesn't see herself as broken. She doesn't see herself as someone who needs something right. to be dealt with. And he gets kind of pissed about this too. Um, but before the fight's able to really get going, uh, Scarecrow shows up to nab him. He turns into Man Bat. And there's a bit of a fight, but Man Bat gets knocked out. And the cliffhanger of the issue is that Scarecrow has put Kirk and his wife Francine in a lab. And he's got them both basically... He's basically sort of, I don't, I don't want to quite say hypnotized them, but got them thinking that they have to develop this sound tech for another reason. It's not for Scarecrow. They, they, they're not aware they're right. working for Scarecrow. And they're kind of under a spell almost where they're thinking they're still happily married. And that's kind of where we leave the uh, the story at the end of the issue. Um, I, did, I, I thought the back half of this issue in particular was a nice direction to go in, where it was more what I liked from the first issue versus the, oh, the Suicide Squad are here and we have to fight them kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like that Kirk is sympathetic and that you kind of understand why he's trying to do everything he's doing but I think mm-hmm. his sister also comes across as re- like, I don't think her, his sister's reaction ever rings false I, you know, I, I, can't, you know I, I completely got it I completely got why she's pissed well, at him for thinking she needs to be fixed right and he's even like that he was always more like his parents where there's this coldness mm-hmm. and he just this is what he wants to do, and he doesn't care if it's what she wants. It's what he wants, and that's kind of what makes him into Man Bat, right? It was that attitude. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it's going to be that change where he starts to realize the world outside of himself, you know, for whatever happens over the next two issues, that, you know, that's what leads to him and where we meet him at in Justice League Dark. So... Uh, but no, it's it's really good. I think the the art, uh, Kumar is still very very solid. I just the the transformational page like it is a it was a real small thing here where he heard Scarecrow first, and you can see his ear, yeah, like a bat ear, and then when it gets to the next panel, he's fully man bat now. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat little touch. A little touch. Like I say, what the weirdest thing about this is just that we're we're getting such a different and arguably better Scarecrow and Batman right now. So the yeah. Scarecrow in this feels a lot more kind of comical and old school, which isn't a p- bad thing necessarily. It's just weird to read it at the same time yeah. uh, as the other one. But uh, obviously, it's set in the past. It's set before uh, all the just lead dark stuff, so we know it's a little bit further back. Uh, and Harley's still in the Suicide Squad as well, I suppose, which also right. is uh, firmly in the past. So. Uh, but I liked all the stuff with the sister. I, I thought when it really dove into like his human side and him mm-hmm. trying to reconnect with his sister, I thought, okay, this is more of what I liked about this first issue was the actually dealing with who he is as a person and not just having action for action's sake. Uh, and when he, you know, when he man batted up to try and protect his sister, that you know, it didn't just feel like it was, oh, we can have a man bat scene. It was like, no, no, he's trying to save his sister. So again, yeah. even though he's just been a dick to her when he's not really considering how she feels. He immediately right. tries to protect her, and it's like, okay, he's very flawed, he's clearly an idiot and doesn't understand everything, but he right. his heart is in the right place, ultimately. Uh, well, so. It shows that you can be a super scientist and not be, you know, emotionally smart. 
Right? <laughs> like, yes. Emotionally, uh, uh, stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Sure, that's probably a better word. I was just going to yeah. be very blunt with it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, for, for a smart person, you're really dumb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the old time phrase. Uh, what, what, what are you giving Manbat issue three? Uh, I'm going to give this one a, a 7.5. Yeah, that's decent. Yeah, I was thinking kind of a similar thing. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's not maybe not as special as I was hoping after the first issue, but I do think this was better than issue two. So I, I'm going to also say, uh, now I'll go straight seven. Straight seven out of ten. I think. There you go. But it, it's good. All right, uh, so the next Batman, Second Son, issue one. So this is the first physical issue, which is the first three digital chapters. And we're doing it this way, even though I think we both read it digitally, because yeah, we feel that the digital chapters, the the release weekly for one dollar, are just too short to really dive into. So maybe like following the physical release pattern would lead to a better conversation. And I I think that part's going to be true. I feel like I got a nice amount out of these three combined. Yeah. Uh, so There's a little. I think it, it ends up being a little bit more than a full issue's worth. Slightly just, more, but not yeah. So, but not by a huge amount. Uh, no. But this is this is within the first physical issue, so this is why we we read it this way, um, and it gives us an idea of what Jace is like now. Uh, and obviously, it's, it's funny. It shows you how much of a dick Luke's been in Future State when he's still calling him Tim when yeah. he's been go he's been trying to go by Jace since present day. <laughs> yeah, and that Ridley sure has a mat on for for Luke because mm -hmm. he just seems so. I don't know. I, I need to know more about Jace and why he wants to call himself that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure that's and, coming in this story. Yeah. Because Luke just comes off like a dick. Oh, he does. Like, like 100% no redeeming here. Although we do get to see Batwing operating, which is cool. Yeah, he is operating his Batwing still. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's present day. Um, the, the story starts uh, with, with Jace. He's, he's, he's working kind of as a, like a spy or, or whatever. Um. I will say, you know, it does have that digital format where it's like the half pages, which I kind of, it's kind of annoying to me because when I go horizontal on my tablet to look mm -hmm. at it, I feel like it's just too big. Like it's too bulky. Yeah. It's, 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 cause it's literally just half of a page well, blown up. And at the end of the first issue digitally, we yeah. see Grifter. C Connor brought this up uh, a yeah. couple of weeks ago that the final page was a full page spread that was split in two, but they didn't bother putting yeah. it together for the digital version. It's still in the two halves, yeah. which yeah. is really stupid. So, which which I, I didn't get to my shop this week, but so going forward, I might have to just get this physically. Sure. Just to see how different it is, because that did, it was a little thing, but it drove me nuts, and it's not the fault of the storytellers. That's strictly on yeah. I mean, whoever uh, formatted it. Yeah, I've been over this before. I, I prefer a regular comic format into this like half digital page thing. I just think, mm -hmm. clearly, obviously, I get why they do it, because the whole idea is that it's very readable on a phone, because it's much right. bigger. Uh, but as someone who still reads comics on a tablet, I'd rather just have full page. I, 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 I wish it was just a toggle. Like, just let me toggle to the regular comic yeah. format. I don't know how hard or yeah. easy that would be, but just do it. Because I, I, Connor's said before, in the past that he thinks, oh, but, but when it's like a full spread, it's just like a full two-page spread. But I don't think it is. So this is like a... I'll hold this up to the camera. Obviously, the audio people can see yeah. this. This is like an early uh, full panel that's in the book, and it's just it's just Jay standing there uh, talking on comms to, uh, mm -hmm. to is, it, is it Viv he talks to, um, yeah. But he's uh, 
but it doesn't feel like a two-page spread to me. This just feels like a a, a single panel that's yeah. And part of that's the the, the size of the, the speech bubbles. You know, obviously that mm-hmm. that sort of gives you a sense. But also part of it's just the art. Like I get the sense that the canvas that this was drawn on, you know, whether it be physical or digital, like however the artist does it. Like that's that's that you you can tell it's a smaller. It's it's not meant to be a two-page spread. Like if you blew this up right. to two-page spread. It'd be like, why is this a two-page spread? It doesn't feel like the art is there to justify it. The detail's not there for it. So, mm-hmm. uh, not to throw Connor under the bus when he's not here, but the, his past mm-hmm. argument that when there's a full panel in a digital formatted comic book, it's just like getting a two-page spread in a regular comic. I disagree. It feels completely different. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's there to, like, uh, spy on some, uh, some edit here. Let me just get to it. So, he's, 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 he's stealing stuff off a computer... Uh, you just got a balaclava a, on. Yeah, it's a it's a tech billionaire that's also doing some shady stuff. Yes. So whatever Jace is up to, oh, that's it right. seems to be in the spirit of Batman. He thinks he's trafficking, but the villain kind of implies that he doesn't even really know. Like, yeah, he's obviously up to something, but the villain clearly yeah. implies, oh, there's more to this that you don't even know. Uh, so I, I guess the good thing here is that it, it shows that, okay, he's already got skills. He's already doing Batman-esque stuff. He's already spying. He's already fighting. He's already vigilanteing as it were uh in his own way uh and he gets into a fight with some of the guards and he goes back to his hideout and the end of the first digital chapter is him like going to his hideout and grifters there saying that his dad's looking for him uh which again this is part of this uh shared gotham connected stuff is that the idea that grifters working for uh lucius fox right uh is something that's established in the future state stuff so uh this is something that's already a thing here but yeah, it's really weird that it's just a single full page spread that's split into uh, an individual version. And like, I could understand if there was something that we were supposed to see down by this lady's feet. It's not, though. <laughs> but there's nothing there. So I, I went back three or four times. Like, am I missing something? No. You know? Like, it's am I supposed a... to be focusing on, you know, like, does does Grifter have a, a house arrest bracelet on? Or anklet? You know? But no, it's just the back of his head. Um, but also early on, uh, Jace really reminds me of Black Panther with that suit, just mm-hmm. running around, you know, um, which I think is cool. Cause we get a lot of comparisons between Batman and Black Panther, you know, sure. cause they're both kind of humans hanging out with, with powered beings you and know, whatnot. So. This is a silly thing to bring up and it's not really that important, but <laughs> I am going to point out that. There is a little bit of overlap. So if you look at the, the bottom of the second last digital page yeah. and the, the top of the, the last digital page, there's a little bit of overlap. So it kind of shows you that these digital pages are actually a little bit more than half of a regular page. Yeah. Just, just slightly. But you see right. your fingertips in both is, I guess, the mm-hmm. best thing to show up by. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Yeah. It was just a, a, well, I mean, a point of interest. If you frame it otherwise and you're cutting that other the, the bottom panel too short, you know? Uh, so, so it, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then, so digital chapter two, still an issue one of the book. Uh, it's it's Jace arriving home. It mentions Mayor Nakano on the on the news, so you know, yeah. really establishing that we're in the uh, the uh, your know, current present day Gotham. Uh, and we have uh, his mom and his sisters meeting him at the airport, but notably, Luke's not there. Lucius is too busy, apparently. Uh, and probably yeah. the biggest thing here is 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 Tam, because uh, this mm-hmm. is the one who in the future is in a hospital bed. And right. I, I think we, we assumed a lot of things. It definitely feels like she obviously clearly already has health conditions. Uh, 
did you get the implication here that something he did in his teenage years actually caused this in the first place? Because I don't know, because we've we've been introduced to Tam before, and she seemed to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it was something from his teenage years, because we we do know something involved a car. Yes, because we got that in in next Batman. Um. So yeah, I don't, I don't know, and it's also when she was in the hospital bed. The family was blaming the masks. That's why they became so pro Nakano um, and almost of the magistrate in that uh, because of whatever happened to Tam. Yeah. Because uh, so, obviously the very end of this physical issue, there's a big cliffhanger with uh, yeah. with Tam, um, which isn't super mask related, really. Uh, that's right. They're not even debating masks when it happens. It's just so I assume there's still more to it. Uh, but we right. see, we see, you know, there's, there's like a thug robbing a place, and uh, Batwing steps in. So you get a bit of action here uh, again. But notably, the, the cops who show up are like, "No, like we don't need your help. Leave." Like they get really, you know, mouthy with them. Um, again, just kind of establishing that you know the attitude in Gotham is changing. That the police are not welcoming right. the the help of Bat characters and stuff. Uh, and of course, Grifter's filling in Lucius and and what's going on. Uh, the reason why I needed them back, though, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, we interested that there's going to be a, a disposition, and uh-huh. they're basically deciding if the Foxy should be able to keep the Wayne Fortune. And Lucius is worried that a mistake, as he puts it later on, in in JC's past is going to like unravel the whole thing because of something he did. Yep. So presumably, we're going to find out about exactly the details of this when he's on stand. When when he because because. Lucius is like, oh, are you going to like, you know, say the right things? And he's like, I'll say whatever I want to say. I'll say the truth. And, you know, so I imagine we're going to get a very tense uh, disposition scene in the coming mm-hmm. issues uh, soon. So, uh, but this is notable. One of the things we mentioned in Batman is that uh, Montoya is now the commissioner. The, the actual scenes of her being given this job are in this book, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of neat. It makes this feel a little bit more important. Uh, I feel like it's a part of the what's going on in continuity. Uh, so this idea that the digital books feel separate is starting to kind of fade away. Uh, yep. So it's, it's something to bear in mind. Uh, Nakano offers her the job, and she's kind of hesitant because she's like, like, I'm not going to be your enforcer. I'm not going to like kill people with masks. Um, and don't you dare sell the name Jim Gordon. <laughs> is basically yeah. something she says. Um, but she does accept. She accepts it in the next part, but she does accept the job uh, after there's a, an incident. Um, so, yeah, every time Jace tries to talk to Luke, Luke just kind of no-sells him. Uh, Big time. And it's, it's really upsetting, uh, quite frankly. It's very unpleasant. So, yeah. And, and, even yeah, Jace, and I like Luke so much, but he's such a jerk, man. He is in this. He absolutely yeah. is. And, and Jace, you know, tries to talk to Tam, and even he's kind of conflicted, like, should I even be back there? Is there anything here for me? And she gets kind of offended at that, because, like, hey, like, I'm yeah. here. Your family's here. Like, I, I know, you know, not everyone's, uh, yeah, and that's actually the end. It's her walking away, kind of a sadness kind of moment as the end of the second digital chapter. And then moving into the third digital chapter, uh, wrapping up this, the physical issue. Um, yeah, AD, you know, it's, it's the Arkham thing that actually convinces Renee to, to sign up, seemingly. Uh, mm-hmm. and we have... More Batwing, which by the way, so so this thug that Batwing fights, he pulls out yeah. what what I would describe is a handheld buzzsaw. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen a buzzsaw that that looks like this? 
I have not, but it is Gotham, so... Because yeah. it's... And people are saying you do get handheld, but you do, but they're sort of shaped in a very different... Like, this well, is... This is like a... Imagine like an axe, but at the top of the axe, instead of the axe, is a buzzsaw. <laughs> right, but I, you know what? It could be a surgical saw. Okay. I'm gonna, it, I'm gonna I mean, actually, do you know what I describe it as? It looks like a really big pizza car. It's a really nasty-looking pizza yeah. car. <laughs> there we go. That's so how I describe what, it. What gets me here, and it was confusing, is the dialogue where where he runs smack dab into to Batwing because mm-hmm. he's cloaked. And he says, been looking for, comma, Winfield. Where's Joker? That sentence doesn't make sense. So... Wait, hold on. What was he saying? So when he knocks down this guy, Winfield, I'm, I'm assuming, because he was cloaked, right? He was, like, invisible. He said, been looking for, comma, Winfield. Where's Joker? What does that sentence mean? So it's uh, like, I've been looking for you? Been looking for, Winfield. Where's Joker? Yeah, I guess he's just abbreviating. Like, I feel like that comma doesn't, you know what I mean? Like... It feels like the word you is missing. Yeah, that's a fair yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so, a fair that's all. Like, I had to read that like three or four times. Um, but yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm okay. not that's seeing fair. any uh, of these, uh, like, like that thing like I'd imagine. Like what? when you look up surgical saw, not not what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. This this thing was uh is, is pretty nasty. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this criminal kind of feels a little bit empowered because he's like, hey, the, you know, the opinion's changing on you, you mastered. Like, if there's another war, you're going to be in trouble. Um, yep. So again, you know, the, the TV's talking about the mayor saying about Mass and Lucius as well. This is where we have the scene with Lucius and yep. and Jace. And Lucius, you know, sort of agrees to call him the right name, but then sort of immediately reverts to using Tim uh, within seconds uh, because he gets mad at him for not, like, towing the, the, yep. the family line, as it were. Uh, so we kind of mentioned this. The main point of this is that he's like, no, I'm going to say whatever I want. But but Jason feels kind of pissed that he, he couldn't even see his dad at home. He he got an appointment to see him at the office as as, as mm-hmm. if it was a meeting. Um, it all feels very corporate and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of odd. It, but uh, it, it's making me not like Lucius as much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, which I think is the point here. Also, the art, like, typically it, it's been fine, but here, Lucius looks really young. Like, yeah, I think that's does not fair... look like he can be the dad of, of 30-somethings, you know? If anything, I would uh, say Jace looks older in this scene <laughs> than Lucius yeah, does. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> um, I think that's, so... the, I, I think Aikens on the art is, is good, but uh, he does have a very, very clean style, and I think part of that is that a lot of his characters do end up looking young. And I think the reason why Jace looks older is just purely because he has facial hair. I think that's it. Like that could be. You know, he's got a goatee, and therefore he looks much older by default. Um, because uh, it's very, it's very clean. There's not a lot of sketchiness. It's very simple, flat colors as well, uh, which is not a bad thing. I mean, the art looks typically pleasing enough to look at. Uh, but uh, yeah. So the end of the the, the this first physical issue is. Uh, Jace being convinced to go and talk to the rest of the family uh, by his little sister and she makes him promise to oh sorry, Luke, sorry, not Jace Jace is already down with the family, it's Luke that's convinced to go and talk to everyone um, and 
he she takes Luke down to meet with Jace and the others, and immediately because you know Jace again tries to be nice and just says, "Hey, Luke," even though Luke's already been a dick to him, and he's like, "Well, hello, Jace. It's Jace, right? I don't want to offend you by actually accidentally using your real name." And he just comes off like. I don't think Luke has ever come off as much of a dick as he does in that that speech bubble. Uh, yep, for sure. It, it just it came out really, really shitty. Um, and as the fight starts to break out, and it's kind of bubbling up the same stuff that they've been debating over the, the course of the issue, uh, Tam in the background starts to get woozy as she says, please. And then the final you know couple pages is her falling to the floor um, and saying they need an ambulance. Uh, and Jace is just sort of looking in shock. And I do like the visual though that Luke goes down and like has her hand, but Jace is kind of at a distance. He cares, but he's in shock, and it just it gives you that visual yeah. that he's still kind of disconnected from the family. Yeah, he's still an outsider, yeah, amongst his family. Uh, so that's the big cliffhanger to the end of the the first uh physical mm-hmm. issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I I do think that reading it in this batch of three is probably, but I, I wish I could just read it digitally like it is in the physical book though. Uh, I wish I didn't have mm-hmm. to do the three separate chapters. Uh, yeah. which is a shame but uh i am into the character i am into ridley's storytelling so uh mm-hmm. if this is how they're going to release it i guess this is how i'm locked into it but uh you know so yeah it is what it is uh, just give me a toggle that's all i want i want a toggle just to read it like the physical book but yeah. digitally that's all i want you know about all three chapters just give me a little switch that turns them into vertical pages combined together i'd, I'd love it I'd love it so much, DC. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I mean, these these first three chapters, I think, are solid. They're establishing who this character is in the present day. Uh, a lot of it's tying to the other stuff. I like that the subplots going on with Montoya and building more of Gotham. Uh, I I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it to be so relevant yeah. to the present day Gotham stuff. So that's kind of neat. Um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing how he becomes... I mean, I, not that I expect him to become Batman by the end of the story, because it's probably too early for that, but just, uh, you know, where, where the story goes. What, how, how it... Yeah, it's more about family dynamics than I expected, sure. you know, through yeah. these. So that, that's pretty cool. That makes it stand out. Well, it's, it's nice um, to actually have him interact with Tam, because Tam was just in a coma yeah. the whole you know the whole story right. before. So it's right. nice to actually see some of those interactions to see what she means to these people. And yeah. then, you know, like from that meaning to them and her relationship with them, we can, that, that can have more meaning. Like when they care, when they, when they argue about what caused her predicament, what caused her illness, what caused her injuries, they can, it'll mean more to us because we've actually seen some of that relationship right. play out. So that's good. Uh, yeah. All right. What are you, you giving the uh, next Batman second son issue one? Um, I'm gonna give it a. I'll give it seven point five. I think I'm gonna give it a seven point five. I think I think if I could read this as a normal issue, I'd have went up a half point. But I'm going to deduct half a point for making me read it in this stupid digital format. <laughs> Fair enough. And I say that as someone who reads everything digitally anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just the formatting. Just it, yeah. needs a, it needs a tweak. Yeah, it's just, I mean, not only just the way you have to read the pages, because it's like, part of it is I feel like I'm just going to new pages too quickly. Like, I'm finishing pages too quickly, and it's not comfortable. Uh, but the other part of it is it's all these short chapters, and yeah, waiting to binge read it in a batch of three does help a little bit, but it's still, I get to the end of it, and I have to click on the next issue, and I know that, I'm, that sounds really lazy. It's not, it's not an effort thing, it's more just, 
every time you have to turn the page, it's kind of breaking the flow of reading. So having to do it twice as often because you're only getting half pages is ruining what I what I think the typical flow of a comic should feel like. Right. And maybe that can change, but I don't necessarily think it becoming quicker is a good thing. Uh necessarily. So uh I don't know. There's something I'm sure they'll experiment with. Uh all right, there you go. That's next Batman, second son, issue one. Uh, which actually was the last book of the show, which means we're out of that part of the, yeah. the episode where we pick our favourites of the week, do our favourite panel slash more, we do our favourite cover, uh, favourite favorite art, and uh, our top five books. And I actually think we both read five books this week, so it'll actually have five books yeah. on it. That's exciting. So, Matt, why don't you start off with your favourite panel slash moment? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to take it, because uh, I'm pretty sure I know what yours is going to be. Um... And if it's not, I'm, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to take it from, from Green Lantern, where we get the scene of Kelly kind of fighting, um, using the gauntlet and stuff, because just her whole attitude just made me chuckle um, against the the Guardians, and it, it really set her as, she's going to be a part of this book, hopefully for a while, because I yeah. don't like the concept of having lanterns and not using them. Um, like, I, I miss... I miss Jess, right? It was nice seeing Simon, but you know. So yeah, so that's hopefully, what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, hopefully we get we get some Jess. Uh, yeah, I'm going with the the tree <laughs> from Swamp Thing. It, ha- it has to be that. Like, that's one of those yeah. things where I turned the page, and it's it's one of those great things where the that character that sheriff's reaction at the bottom of the page mirrored mm-hmm. my reaction, and I felt like a connection to the characters in a story. Which, if you can nail that feeling then you're achieving and then the arts gorgeous of course and what it means to the story of like him overcoming uh what right. he's going through and every, like all of it's just wonderful so uh yeah easily that for for me uh cover of the week um basically it comes down to two matina variants for me uh we have matina batman cover which is gorgeous and i thought oh it's definitely going to be that that wins and then i noticed there's a matina swamp thing variant and that mm-hmm. is also freaking gorgeous so picking between them, I think I'm going to inch it towards. Mm, I'm going to inch it towards Batman, but only by a hair. Only by a hair. They're both gorgeous. Mm. Uh, both dark and moody. Play with lighting in, in really nice ways. Uh, what's your cover, Matt? Uh, there's the cardstock variant for Green Lantern that was done by Malief. Oh um, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it plays with the color, like the, the further away from the ring it gets, the darker it gets, you know, and right around it, it's really white and bright, and it just, it looks really cool. That's a really nice cover. That's probably my third pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm if I'm doing a third, uh, that'll be that one. Cool. All right, best art of the week. What you got? Swamp Thing. Without hesitation. Yeah, I'm going to just look at it. I mean, Jimenez puts up a fight with Batman, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's easily, you know, that's definitely the closest. Because everything else, I think, is definitely there's a bit of a gap. But Batman is really solid. But that said, Perkins on Swamp Thing is just this. It's, it's the perfect marriage of artist to tone to, to story. Uh, and the quality is obviously very high. So uh, there you go. Uh, all right. Rank your books, Matt. Go. Top five. All right. So, so one is going to be Swamp Thing. Two is going to be Green Lantern. Three is Batman. Uh, four is next Batman. Five is Man Bat. Yeah, my number one is Green... Sorry. Not Green Lantern. <laughs> my number one is Swamp Thing, yeah. obviously. Uh, my number two is Batman. My number three is... 
next Batman number four is Green Lantern number five, Man Bat. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, it was nice to actually. It was nice to actually have five books uh, to do that with yeah, uh, this okay. week. So that's neat. Uh, I will tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics. Uh, right now. So coming up next week, we have Wonder Woman seven seven one. So we'll see how that art goes. Uh, you mm-hmm. you weren't here for the last issue, that's where you. Or was it Connor that was missing? I think it was Connor that was missing because these Car- are monthly now, yeah. right? Yeah, monthly. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's said, Jin's got a couple of double shipping books, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when uh we get there. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it's Connor who's going to be uh yelling at me because I don't love it uh next week. Good, just so I mean you did as well, kind mm-hmm. of, but uh he'll he'll be more obnoxious about it. Uh, so Wonder Woman seven seven one is coming out. We have Superman thirty, so. Uh, this is the start of the, the, the next arc, because obviously the, the first two issues were kind of like their own little tour, too far. Uh, so we got that. We got Rorschach 7. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking forward to talking about that. Uh, the Joker issue 2 is out next week. Uh, unfortunately, it's $6, despite the fact that it's the same amount of pages. Um, yeah. Will I read that, even though I enjoyed the first issue at a protest? I don't know. I'll see how I feel next week. Uh <laughs> Nobody though, we have Batman the Detective, which is Tom Taylor's new miniseries, so obviously yeah. we're excited for that. We get Batman Urban Legends 2. It would be really nice to just skip the $8 book, but unfortunately it was very good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, shock- shocking how good that Red Hood story was last time, so uh, we'll be back for that. Uh, also, it is American Vampire 1976 issue 7, Challenge of the Super Sons issue 1, which is a collection of the digital uh, stories. Uh, Sweet Tooth, The Return Issue 6, and Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries Issue 1. So, um, maybe I should read that for a joke. Uh, but, uh, some good stuff coming out next week, though. Uh, new Tom yeah. Taylor books always good, and a lot of the returning books from last month are great, and I'm really looking forward to Rorschach. So, uh, really high-caliber qual- uh, week, from the looks of it, uh, next week. So, cool. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month, so thank you to Tyler Hess and the Palisades, David Short, Bordenow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, they are all twenty dollars or more. At Stanley? Pa- no, Stanley. <laughs> Stanley. That's what you said. Stanley, as in one name, Stanley. Yeah, Stanley. Not Stanley. Stanley's dead, Matt. Let it go. <laughs> uh, if we get a Jack Kirby next week, that's yeah. Uh, you know. do, do you think uh, Stanley's estate is a? Uh, a patron like like his family yeah. are, are putting in yeah okay uh but anyway so yeah they're all patrons of 20 dollars or more at patreon.com slash tv but you can of course support us for as little as one dollar per month and help keep all the content coming help keep the podcast thriving uh and do that yeah the five dollar tier specifically is probably the most relevant because you get early access to the podcast uh you get a day early you get some you get sometimes saturday night whenever it's ready uh depending on your time zone like in the uk time it's quite late it's like you know after midnight uh for obviously the us it's a bit earlier so you get a get a nice early saturday time uh before it goes up on sunday nights for everyone else um so have a look there obviously you can support us for free by simply commenting liking on youtube rating the podcast on your your podcast app give us five stars and a review really important um so go do all that uh you can of course get us on twitter at dc comics podcast uh, you can ask us questions there um you can also send questions to uh, the email which is a uh, mftvquestions at gmail.com um, we haven't done any questions on the show for a while because honestly we're talking about the books for so long that we don't really feel like we need to right now but uh, I'm sure there'll be droughts occasionally maybe like a week five or something but go and have a look at that and just remember that the special uh, celebration of uh, hitting 50 or sorry hitting 250 episodes and hitting five years 
as our top 50 characters to count down, which you guys voted for. We will have that probably right at the end of the month. Because Connor's expecting to have a Sunday off right at the end of the month. So that's when we're going to record it and it'll be up probably the next day, I imagine. Uh, mm. Premiering on YouTube. We'll do a premiere on the Mailfuzz TV YouTube channel so people can watch it together live as it's airing. But then obviously it'll be there afterwards as per usual. And it'll be on the podcast feed as well uh, afterwards. But if you want to watch along with some other audience members and see the results uh, be read out uh, together, uh, it'll premiere on the YouTube um, probably in the last couple of days of the month. So look forward to that. Uh, all right, there you go. That's uh, that's everything. That's been the show. So thank yeah. you very much. Matt's going to go and watch the end of his terrible hockey game where his team is losing miserably because no, they suck. No, no, no. They, they played last night. No. Oh, when oh. I said an update, uh, the update? Sharks traded their their good goalie to in division to the team that's ahead of the Knights, which oh not okay, good. yeah, that was the poor news. No, oh no, they they won six to four last night. It was a crazy game. So, um, oh well, yeah, we're we're good. Well, I see what you're trying there. Uh, well, I you know I'll I'll just keep hoping they're going to lose. Um, yeah, uh, I'll root for the Canucks or something. Uh, <laughs> they've been taken out by the old uh, <laughs> pandemic, so go ahead and root for them. They need you. Uh, hey, it's the only team I I know the name of. Okay, <laughs> that's why I said the Canucks. Because <laughs> of the Ducks, you know the Ducks. I don't know. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, the Mighty Ducks or just Wait, the Ducks. I don't know. Just the Ducks now since since '06. But uh, you, you also have never seen Mystery Alaska. No. Huh? Or, or Seinfeld with the Jersey Devils. With oh, yeah. I've seen Seinfeld. I don't remember the name of the hockey team they saw in one episode. Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Not because of hockey, just because of uh, Putty. Uh, yeah. If you know, you know. Actually, so. weird tangent here. But speaking of Seinfeld, uh, yep. someone pointed out this week on Reddit, someone did like a floor plan for the apartment mm-hmm. and yeah. there's a paradox because the hallway can't exist outside of his apartment because of where the kitchen goes. Um, right. It was really funny, which led me down a, a little uh, rabbit hole. I ended up looking at floor plans for different apartment builds like, uh, and different sitcoms. And Fraser Crane's apartment is freaking huge. Like, yeah. there's like five bathrooms in that thing, and it sprawls in a weird way where it doesn't make any sense because of the way the windows are. I'm just saying, yeah. there's a lot of weird, a lot of Con- anomalies. Continuity, right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of anomalies. Anyway, this has been Comments on the Multiverse, episode 248. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Excelsior!